You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberry! I am your father. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 20 of Sharp Angles. I'm one of your hosts, Rich. I'm Janae. And Jeanette. And we have made it. Yes. We are completely caught up with the Star Wars universe. We have watched a For- The Force Awakens, now twice actually, mm-hmm. between all of us. Uh, and this time it was in IMAX, which was awesome. IMAX 3D. Um, was that really IMAX? It was IMAX. I thought it was just 3D. Nope, definitely IMAX. That's not a good sign for IMAX that I didn't realize it was IMAX. The screen is like twice the size of a regular screen. Yeah, it's no, huge. No, I thought it was small though. No. Well, I'm... the big the theater was huge. The theater we were in was like ab- abnormally large, but the screen was enormous. Way yeah. bigger than Reading. Um, and most of the theaters that are around the area. Dang. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I have unrealistic expectations then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the um, well, if you've ever been to the King of Prussia area IMAX, um, <laughs> they kind of like take all the entire audience and throw them into the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the IMAX theaters that you might traditionally have gone to in the past, if you're in that that area, they the theaters are actually smaller, so they, you can't fit as many people into them. Okay, and then the screen looks way bigger because you're so pressed up against it, like you almost can't see the. Like, you can't see the edges. Oh, that's kind of annoying. So, you're so far in. We saw um, but, uh, Constantine with Keanu Reeves there. And Why? The King, King of Prussia IMAX? Yeah. Yeah. And I also saw... We were... It felt like we were going to fall over the... See, yeah. I guess I guess I'm used to when I think of IMAX, I think of like you know the documentaries that they show at I don't know the Benjamin Franklin Institute in Philly or something, which has well, the those, most. Those are Omnimax. S- that's at Omnimax. Okay. Okay. Different. Those have the most uncomfortable seats in the world. Yeah. I haven't been there in forever. We so. saw a movie in that. We saw a movie in that. We didn't see it in there twice, but we saw it twice, twice in, in one, one day. night. Got it. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. I've, more, I've heard this conversation more before. On that, more on that later, folks. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for getting us off on a bunny trail we, so early in the podcast. Our, yeah, we started doing our summer movie preview. We'll probably talk about that one. <clears throat> We won't watch it, but we'll just talk about oh, it. Oh, thank God. It's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. And then we'll watch the one that's actually good. Okay. And then we'll go see the other one that I'm worried about. He's so attractive. By a lot. So, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, um, IMAX theater experience um, is like all the thumbs up. Well, Take Papa's and... Put them upside down and put all paws up. All paws up. Yeah. I have to say, though, it helped because we went to, like, the one o'clock show. Mm-hmm. And um, we were one of the first people there to buy tickets because we had tried to go to the other movie theater that has the reclining seats. And that didn't happen. So. And then we were rude and we could have waited in line and we didn't. And then we bypassed well, the whole entire thing. And so we were the first ones in the theater. Well, to be honest, there wasn't necessarily a line actually formed by the time we got in there. We just walked straight up to the theater and we were like, all right, sweet. And we went in and then we're like, oh, the movie's still playing. And then no one said anything to us. So we just like started hanging out outside the theater. 
And then, you know, be, we just wasted like 10 minutes doing that. And mm-hmm. then, then we went to, oh, hey, what do we do? And it's like, oh, there's a seat you can have over there. We went and sat over there. And by that time, there was like a family of six that were waiting in their little queue. And we would just watch more people get into the queue. I'm like, well, we were here first. Yeah. And there, so. there was a sign saying, you know, queue for Star Wars, Force Awakens. And we again, we were there first. So whatevs. Yeah. And the most annoying part, I think, though, I have to say, mwahaha, we won, um, <laughs> was that there was this man who was there with his three small children. And he was bound and determined, despite the fact that of not getting there first, to get into the theater first. And he was like, and the kids were all like squirrely and, and they were very small. Like, uh, just for the record, I made sure he did not get in there first. Yes. Like, I, I just went for it. And so we like practically elbowed them out of the way in order to get them to the theater first. Well, he was also busy trying to corral his kids and get them up and stuff. So yeah. I, yeah, we somebody, just made a beeline for it. Yeah, and yeah. again, we won. So, end of story. Pesty yeah. children. That's <laughs> Who right. has them? They chose. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. Because they chose. Uh, to be way closer to the experience than we did. Mm-hmm. Silly people. Yeah. But that also might have affected your experience, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like... We were pretty high up. Yeah. Uh, upper upper middle is, is usually where it's at. Um, and in this particular instance, I think it was kind of where it's at, too, for even for IMAX. Um, because you didn't have to worry about your periphery. Mm-hmm. And I have... Well, me, I have trouble when it's IMAX 3D. Um, and if I have to move my head, then it's going to alter my viewing angle, mm-hmm. which will also alter my experience because I'm looking through two sets of lenses and not just one. Oh, right. So, um, so <clears throat> the, the less, the, the less chances I have to move my head, um, the better, uh, at least for me anyway. But, um, well, I saw it in 3d the first time mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. Um, so to me, I didn't notice any difference between 3D and IMAX 3D, I guess. Well, I mean, usually it's all about quality. Mm. You know, like the film was crystal clear. Like the, the, I didn't see any like grain, you know, film grain or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, it's digital anyway, but Mm -hmm. you know, but the digital projectors were on point, you know, there wasn't any flicker, there wasn't anything like that. And then the sound is like also pretty awesome. And in IMAX, um, you know, they have like double the double if not triple the amount of, the amount of speakers as in a, reg, a regular theater mm-hmm. um and they make sure that all of the all of the sounds are like you know like um actually appropriated the the right way so where you you in a normal theater left channel right channel center and some subs will get you going um in an IMAX theater it's full 7.1 surround so you've got you know front left front front right mid mid right mid center you know like mid right mid left rear rear left rear right and then your subs and then you know it's like full 360 degree surround sound which is pretty awesome maybe so. i'm just not sophisticated enough to recognize the difference i mean i will full out admit that uh, i mean well it's like i'm a huge like i'm a huge kind of like you know movie and theater technology buff um, so I noticed all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, and um, and they they do actually well to like kind of do that like theater test too. So um, in in the uh, in in the in between before uh, the movie actually started, they did like a whole like a whole thing like describing like why IMAX is cool and you know like they they show like they they do a sound test basically where like you know they you know like sounds gonna come out you from the left from the right and for even from the rear and then like they actually test. 
hmm. uh, all the speakers, uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, but that was like when people are getting up and like going to the restroom and stuff like that. So got it. You know, sometimes it's like you know it's that's that's easy to miss. But I wasn't moving, so I was just like, oh okay, I get it. I get it. I'm like ready to go, ready to experience this. Um, <clears throat> so um, I guess we'll like spend all, like I don't know. I don't know if you want to like spend like a little bit talking about um, some of the other stuff that that happened before the movie, like any of like the previews and stuff like that. Um, but I maybe, say let's get right into the movie. Let's get right into the movie. Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So maybe we'll talk about that like on the back end or whatever, um, because you know, like besides some small plans that we have <clears throat> for um, the near future, um, you know, talking about the trailers and stuff might help build, you know, like our mu- movie and you know, like sharp angles watching experiences in the future or something. So, um, <clears throat> so anyway, you know, movie starts. You know, you get the scroll, you're transported back to, or at least I am transported back to a time where I'm like, okay, you know, I'm now the hopeful, um, you know, 18 or 19 year old that has never seen the prequel trilogy. And please, for the love of God, J.J. Abrams, take me back to that other time where I could see a movie where I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. And like 100%, that is exactly what happened. Um, because of the entire experience of watching The Force Awakens, um, not once was I even like close to thinking about the prequel trilogy in any way, shape, or form at all. Um, the mm. movie acts like it completely, like, just, okay, that might have been stuff that happened, but that's like legends upon legends. You know, this is 30 years after the events of Luke Skywalker and, and his you know, friendly band of rebels that ran, ran, ran around and they're now, they're now legends. People aren't even thinking about them anymore. So right. who cares about what happened with, you know, the, the old Senate and, and, um, you know, and the clone armies and Padme and all that stuff and Jar Jar, who cares? Who are they? <laughs> they, they don't even, you know, like they, they don't even exist. So, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Know? I never thought about them um, once either. Which is kind of, which is kind of cool. Oh, by the way, also, um, if you haven't known known this already, because we've said the movie twice already, uh, and I started to talk about our experience in the theater, and you're now what, 10, 10 minutes thirty ten minutes thirty into this podcast, we're talking about Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Oh yeah, so that's kind of important wanna, to note. <laughs> if you don't want to hear about Star Wars: The Force Awakens in grave detail, as in like spoilers, we're talking about all the crazy things ever. Then um, yeah, stop listening. Um, go see it, uh, preferably in IMAX, and then come back. And then listen to this, because we're pretty much going to talk about every major point in the movie in great detail and analytic, a- analyze everything to, like, every level ever. So, um, yeah. So, spoiler alert times 80. Um, yeah. First spoiler alert, Luke is still a whiny baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't even have to say anything, because he doesn't. But anyway, we'll get to that, we'll get to that later. Um so, so yeah, so we've got, um, yeah, so we've got the, the, you know, the credits rolling and the, and the thankfulness that, you know, we watched an entire two hour and 18 minutes of unadulterated, awesome new Star Wars with absolutely no reference to anything that was crazy, um, which, you know, it's pretty masterfully done. Um, not really that hard because you can just, you know, ignore everything that happened. Right. Um, and, uh, and still be okay. But... <clears throat> You know, for, for for me, like, early impressions and just, like, you know, general glancing over, like, the, the stuff that happened in the movie, um, it's so thoughtfully crafted for the fans of the original trilogy that it's just, like, 
you know, hey, if there was a way to tap into the mind of the Jedi fanboy, you know, like the, the super Star Wars fan, like if there was a way to extract what you think this, the story might be, it's pretty darn close. Um, you know, with some with some you know cool surprises and, and hooks thrown in there, um, you know it's it's pretty it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty close to being like I don't know what some might call in a in a good way or a bad way the safest Star Wars sequel ever written. Well, yeah, you have direct parallels in this movie to the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. In the hero in some of the characters in the villain you have those absolute parallels and i think it in the sacrifice in the sacrifice right it's very true right, right. um and i think it helped that jj abrams is a fanboy i i yeah. think that that's what this this was this was his loving tribute to the original star wars trilogy yep you know and and he spent his own time and mental energy doing this because not only did he direct it, but he also helped write it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, there is that, that aspect to it. And so in terms of entertainment value and, and being a star Wars movie, I think it was very well done. I, you know, I was entertained. It was a star Wars movie. It was, you know, funny, and there were times that it was scary, and there were times that it was sad, and we get all of that in the in the originals too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeanette, I'm actually kind of afraid to talk. <laughs> Jeanette was less impressed. I was really, and maybe this is my my problem. I feel as if I say this way too often. Oh my word! I was totally looking forward to this movie, and then I got into it, and I was just like, eh. But I really was. I enjoyed it better the second time. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because that's because I finally had a connection with the characters that in the first one, I felt as if I was just thrown into everything and I was supposed to care about them. And I didn't. Well, I will give you the fact that we um, you and I talked a little bit about this off air. But the first 20 minutes of the movie in which you're supposed to get this connection, you're supposed to have this connection with... With Finn. With Finn. And the old man that dies. And Poe Dameron. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those characters. Like, there's this... You get sort of thrown into the middle of basically an action sequence in which Poe Dameron, who's a resistance fighter... The best pilot ever. Best fighter in the resistance. uh, Best pilot in the resistance. Is, and of course, dashingly good looking too. Is in yes, I guess some would say that. Um, I think that's what he was supposed to be, at least. I don't know about that. Really? Yeah, I didn't really get that vibe from him at all. He looked kind of scruffy. Yeah, but scruffy yeah. can still be dashing. I think. I yeah. think he was a player. I mean, he did have that player player vibe. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, he's in the, in a Bedouin tent in a. On a planet that looks like the planet that Luke grew up on, the, the, whose name I'm blanking on now. Jakku. Tat- oh, yeah. He, no, wait, Tatooine. They're on Jakku. Right, right, but it looks like Tatooine. It does, yes. yeah. It's supposed to, yeah, I guess it's supposed to look yeah. like Tatooine. I have no idea why, yeah. but sure. Yeah. Why pick there's another so many. There's only so many places you can film on planet Earth. Right. <laughs> so. But they could have picked a different planet. They could have. Or they could have put him on Tatooine. They could have put them on Tatooine. But anyway, he's mm-hmm. in a Bedouin desert-like environment. Um, talking to someone, 
question mark. Who's apparently supposed to be a big figure, yeah, though. Yeah, big deal. Yeah. He's a big deal. Um, but we know nothing about right. him. And, and we, I, I think he's supposed to be an older character from, like, the original trilogy that was with the um, was with the Rebels, like, maybe as a vampire and then Jedi. But I can't place him. Yeah. You know, like, and that's pretty bad if you can't place them. Right. You know, like, I mean, maybe, maybe like, looking at We don't even get whatever, a name, though. No, they don't say his name, which I think is, is kind of weird. But, but that's part of, like, Abram's thing. Like, we can talk about that in a little bit, too. But it's, like, he, he loves, like, saying, saying stuff without saying stuff and then, like, leaving it to the fans. But it works. It worked when Abrams did that kind of stuff with Star Wars. I don't Star think... Trek. Star Trek, thank you. Yes, um, and I love, love, love those movies. And we saw previews to the next Star Wars, which I guess is out this summer. Star Trek. So oh my word, Star Trek. Yes, thank you. Um, and I am, I'm like on the edge of my seat, waiting to yeah. watch that one. So I think, I think he's he was absolutely brilliant with Star Trek. There, I finally got it right. Um, but I just, I just wasn't feeling it with Star Wars. I just, I think that first twenty minutes of the movie was rushed, and I feel like. With a little bit of um, five minutes of more exposition in which characters were introduced properly. Yeah. In which Poe Dameron is at the resistance base. <coughs> Excuse me. And talking with, it doesn't even have to be General Organa, let's face it. Because it kept her under wraps for a good long time in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but having getting his orders from someone to go meet this person... And then flying there. And maybe then, a little explanation about who this person is. Correct. And then maybe, I don't know, a little bit of, of backstory on Finn. I agree. That that t- extra 10 minutes, it wouldn't have taken more than five minutes of character. Yeah. Would have served to set up the movie. And the first 10 minutes of the movie, or 20 minutes of the movie, I will be honest with you, with Finn having a panic attack and the whole business, I just couldn't, I was like, ugh, this is not good this is not a good way to start and then we get into i mean i wasn't upset about it i just wasn't engaged right and i felt the same way and then after the first we get to jakku with ray who was a scavenger and trying to you know earn her meals and the whole thing and then i was i felt like that was a better engagement factor and maybe if they had opened with ray like maybe if the sequence of the story had been different, if they had opened with the scavenger ray and gone back and forth, you know, between the and and had then the the fighting sequence after we had met her and BB eight running away and then her picking him up and the whole thing. Maybe I would have felt differently about the movie. Maybe, but I had issues with Ray picking up BB eight too. Because she, she, like, gets all upset and indignant about, you know, a fellow scavenger picking up this, this droid that she has no idea about. And her fellow scavenger just kind of snips at her and then lets her walk away with, with something that could have made it money. And that was odd. That was I very mean, odd. It was strange because, the, I mean, maybe because they had had run-ins before. If they, so if they had shown her having a run-in with him prior to yeah. her, like, freeing BB-8... Then it would have, it would have made more sense for him to just let her walk away because she's pretty fierce. Once you get to know her, like mm-hmm. when she's in the marketplace and the two guys attack for BBA, like she's a force to be reckoned with. Nobody's gonna mess with her and her stick, right? 
you know, her... And well, nobody should. We're, right, nobody should. Well, then that's why Finn runs. Right. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, she can definitely handle herself. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But, well, and Finn runs because she comes after him. Well, that's true, yeah. You know, that, well, and he can't BB's find a blaster. Like, yeah, BB's like, yo, get it, get that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, he, sticks, he sticks right on him. Um, and, and I know you don't understand why she doesn't just trade the robot in for that, portions. Yeah, that was another issue. Like, she's so devoted to this, this droid that she was just irritated with having to save and, and let it stay at her place and everything. And she's obviously not well fed. Um... Uh, but she's so loyal to this little critter all of a sudden. I mean, is and, it loyalty um, to the droid or is it... Bless you. Bless you. Or is it like a moral question? Do I turn in this particular obviously functioning piece of property that, you know, is you right. know, is is like fully functional even though I just saved this droid from being scrapped? Do I just turn it in so it can become scrap or do I just check myself? before I go down that road and go, well, no, I should probably go find the owner of this droid. To me, it seemed like an emotional attachment at that point. Like, the poignant way that she looked at it, it wasn't about, wasn't about, well, it's not really mine to give away or to sell. It's, no, it's the morally right thing to, to, like, let this little critter be by itself, basically. But I also think that they tap into it a little later and you see a little glimpse of it before. Like, I buy it in terms of the fact that she's lonely. Like she, it's her it, living in whatever it is that she's cobbled together, and she doesn't have anyone to talk to. She understands BB-8, mm-hmm. and yeah, she's well, really good with languages. She is regular little linguist. That one, she is, um, with no explanation why. Um, and, well, there's no explanation of the real backstory of her character. Right. Yeah, no. Well, and we I, have two more movies to get through. And I, I can accept that part. Right. Like, you know, we're going to get more information about her later. But I I will buy the fact, though it's not explicit, you get her you get her scavenging alone. She doesn't say her first utterance is actually when she meets. Like, she does not speak until she meets BB-8. In the movie. Yeah. There's got a good point there. There's no talking. She gets handed a portion. Mm -hmm. She doesn't argue with the guy. She, she doesn't speak until she's arguing with the scavenger who's trying to steal BB-8. Right. So that's the first time we hear her voice. And And the first time she speaks, she doesn't speak in English. She doesn't. She speaks in another language. And then she speaks to the droid in English. And... I will grant you that I could see that there's an attachment there because when you go that long without speaking and you're not speaking to somebody and you start finding somebody to talk to, I would imagine that that fills some sort of void. Okay. You, you know, and you get the the impression that she's waiting for something because she's marking it off on the wall and you get that before she's, she... And that I liked. Right. That I, I mean, that was a very obvious and yet... Um, obvious and, and yet subtle yeah. somehow way of showing that you know she's she's been here a while and mm-hmm. she's been here a while waiting for something that is has disappointed her over and over and over again. And it almost feels like a prison in that yes, moment. Completely. You know, even though she has the freedom to roam the planet, it almost feels like a prison. And so to have a friend 
droid or not is a novelty for her. It's it, it's something that I, she's never had. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I buy the fact that she doesn't sell the droid despite the 60 portions that the dude is offering her because I think that she needs someone. And while she will never admit it, she she needs someone. Okay, and I will totally back off on that point, but you just brought up another one, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And that is why the ugly food... Uh, portion giving away guy it cares so much about a droid that he has no idea about Mm. I don't think that's true I think at that point he knows that because everybody knows about the droid because we get flashes back and forth I think that he knows that that droid is worth some money for the first order I don't know I never got that impression I think he thinks that 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 particular droid it's like I've never seen a droid like that on this planet especially not one that functions I need that. That's gonna be a lot. Of, it's gonna be worth a lot of coin to me because, like, like Ray, he's a scavenger too. And the reason why Ray knows how to be a scavenger is because she he taught her to do it because he was the one that Ray got left with. Mm-hmm. And and I get that, but I still don't buy the whole he sticks two guards on her to steal the droid away from her. Again, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's all it's all about possession. Like that that whole scavenging community is all about like, you know, having the cool thing and being cool because you have the cool thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like you even get that with with her, you know, like cleaning up the the uh the bits of star star destroyer that she she got out of out of the the one that she was climbing in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like cleaning them up to make sure that they look the best so that they might get a little bit more of a portion than normal. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just her, it's everyone else around her. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, and it's, there's also this kind of like air of a little bit of oppression too because, you know, she stops cleaning to think about something real quick and then gets yelled at by two people behind her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so like there's obviously like a, a like a, you know, a thing. That, oh, that it totally like, made me think you know, of like a mining community back oh, yeah. in the 19, I don't know what, 30s or 40s or something where you were owned by the company store. Yeah. That's right. why they wrote that song. Right. But, but <clears throat> you know, but here to think about, think about it this way. So now you have, you know, an owned miner, let's say, let's just say like an, air, you know, an owned scavenger. And now this own scavenger has a backbone and says, no, this cool thing is mine. This is my thing. And then like, well, no, you're not allowed to have nice things, little scavenger. You give that to me because I was going to give you all this stuff just to be like, you know, who's going to turn down this deal? No one turns down this deal because I'm the guy. Right. And she goes for it for, you know, for a second. She's like, uh, no, nah, but it's not mine and I shouldn't do that. And there's something else there maybe that's starting to like. And he's like, sort you of know, my either, friend. Yeah, and you know, and maybe I want somebody around around me, and you know, that grew on me overnight because he wouldn't shut up or whatever, <laughs> you know. But but you know, whatever it was, when she makes that decision, that makes that makes the guy that's the big mm-hmm. the big guy. He just got punked, and you get you can't do that. He's got to show his power. He's got to puff up and be like, oh, all right, well, you know, sorry you made this choice, little one. Go get her. Go get it. Because I can't have, I, you know, like, now that I, that, that I have offered you this, like, enormous sum that everyone was shocked at, at the, uh, the offer. Everyone. Like, everyone was like, what? You know, and she turns it down, which is even more like, what? So then it's like, well, I can't. Now, now I look like a really crappy, um, 
you know, dealer. So the next person in line is going to come in like, well, I'll take those 60 portions for whatever I got. Mm. You know, mm. he's got to, he's got to, he's got to hold up for his own and he's got to act accordingly. Well, and he shuts down the shop when she does. He does. And everything you just said made perfectly logical sense. And yet I still, I still didn't feel as if, while I was watching it, I still did not feel as if he had a good enough reason to do like what he did. I still, I still yeah. felt as if it was drastic for no good reason. And so that just threw me off even more. And now that might have been, I will admit, that might have been because I already felt as if they hadn't, they hadn't thrown in enough plot points mm-hmm. about other things right so maybe at that point i might have just been like okay guys seriously like i'm looking for more here and was jipping myself somehow maybe uh, um there, there's that possibility but at the same time that's that was still a sticking point for me yeah well i mean and look at the tantrum he throws when when ray steals the falcon later on too mm-hmm. Well, like that he I mean, that's flips a, out. It was like that's mine. Mm-hmm. Like so, possession is clearly a big thing. For, but that's a humongous for, piece of equipment, right there. Regardless yeah. of whether it's a piece of trash or not, it's still humongous. Right, but I mean, like again, that's like, you know, that's that's kicking you in the in the tuchus after you got just got spit in the face. Mm. You know, that one I bought. That one I was fine with. I would be ticked off if you know well, if yeah, someone absolutely. stole a ship from me. Also, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. But that was his his property technically air quotes and everything right, right. you know I stole, I stole that fair and square exactly <laughs> yeah. which technically han did to uh to lando so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah poor millennium yeah. falcon i don't know i think it, i think i think in that moment i mean we can agree and disagree here but yeah. I mean, like i i think i think in that moment uh, I, re- I i really think that his pride got hurt mm-hmm. you know he's like oh i i know exactly what i'm gonna do and he plays his mind game and he's like here's the thing here's the thing that you've been wanting for mm-hmm. so long and you know and now it's and now you're like, you know, how dare you not take this deal? You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but, you know, early, early, well, obviously, early impressions of Ray are mixed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, like, do we, like, some people are, are down with her character and her motivations and others aren't? Or, you know, like. I mean, I think that you don't get a whole lot about her. I think, you know, this, the scavenging life is hot, hard. She's been a hard individual because of it. And you, you get the impression that she doesn't have a whole lot of human connections. So I think that initially, at least it's, it's difficult for me to connect with her as a character. Like you don't get much from her. Although I have to say, I was very impressed with how she just slid down that rope I mean, I am terrified of heights, so there's no way I would have been caught dead doing that. So, gotta hand it to the girl there. Yeah, I mean, she is genuinely fearless. She she takes risks where others wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But, you know... She lives in an AT-AT. Yeah, Yeah. which was kind of cool. I like that aspect. Yeah. And so, it's one of those things that she's taken the nothing that she's been left with by whomever, and she's done as what she could with that um so in her in that way her tenacity is admirable i just she's difficult to connect with because you don't know what's happening she she's she's not super emotive she's right. on the flat side and it's intentional it's, it's intentional. totally yeah. intentional well, no and i have and, no problem with that well and i think it's intentional too to to have this like you know the disparity of the protagonists. Oh, absolutely! Because all the the other protagonists in both in both series, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, were highly emotive, whiny babies. Well, even the you get the the 
complete paradox of the highly emotive villain in this. Yes. And Ray's flatness. Mm -hmm. Her absolute... Her absolute lack of emotion generally. There are a couple of times where she genuinely emotes, but the it... I, I think she emotes a lot as the movie goes on. In the beginning, right. yeah, right. she's completely unintentionally mm-hmm. and and believably rather flat, right. you know? Right. Um, I had no problem with that whatsoever, but I think as the movie goes on, she shows so much emotion that that she becomes, like, I don't know, a real character, for she lack does. of a better she, way of putting it. She does, but I think that there's that... So you get the... the so this is the interesting thing, and it might be a difference between, like, um, genders is that you don't get, despite the fact, so she's been left on a desert planet with a scavenger who clearly hasn't taken very good care of her for 20 years, something like that. You get you get a glimpse later on in the movie of her as a very small child. She might screaming, be six years old tops. Right, yep. Screaming, come back, come back, come back. She's been left in the care of this person who clearly hasn't taken very good care of her. She is now in her late teens, early 20s. We don't get an age on her, but Mm -hmm. she's been left for a very long time in this very hard life. And... And yet she still has hope that someone's going to come back Exactly. She has Which is rather tragic. It is is fairly tragic. Yeah. And... and, Like, I don't care who, and Danae has theories about who left her, um, which Danae very well could be right, because let's face it, Danae is like the movie whisperer. (laughs) Um, But but I don't care who left her and for what reason, they were a jerk. Yes. It it was a terrible, awful thing to do. Yeah. It really was. Um, No matter who left her. Mm -hmm. And so... We have this, we have this child who has been forced to grow up and do these hard things in order to survive, in order to eat, and in order to live. Who has hope of, that somebody comes back, but she is lacking the anger and the righteous indignation that both Luke and Anakin had. She's completely devoid. Like there's not a point. She's sad. She's joyful. There's a point where she gets annoyed, but never that anger, mm-hmm. never that rage. Right, that's true. And and, you know, and and both and both Luke and Anakin have have showed have showed shown that in the past. I mean, obviously right. to varying degrees, but you know, um, as does the villain in this one. Let's face well, it. I mean, I want to hold off. Okay. I want to talk okay. a little bit about like you know Poe and Finn and a little bit before okay. we get to Kylo. Got it. Fair enough. Because I want to talk about some Kylo. You know, because that's like, because then then I want to talk about like after we talk about like the characters, like you know maybe we we'll revisit the the old favorites come okay. back, you know, a little bit. And, and I really want to talk about the like crazy, almost like insane responses that are happening on the internet based on based on all these characters. Okay, um, just to you know, just to kind of like see what our opinions are of, of it, mm-hmm. uh, because now after I've seen, I I, I watched the second time specifically looking at um at character motivations and you know like and and how how jj abrams usually like portrays like things and and leaves you kind of very subtle clues as to what's going on Mm -hmm. um and it like deflates most of the flames that are on the internet yeah i'm Um, actually kind of curious to know about them because 
thinking it over, and again, I'm probably the most critical person of this movie out there. I can't, I can't think of anything to most. criticize in that. Oh regard. no, you, I mean, so far you're, you've been very tame in your criticism of Force Awakens, and I know <laughs> if we're getting to a big point where you're gonna like unleash, please do because no. you know, like I want to, I want to hear it because then I'll, I'll tell you exactly what's going on okay. on, the, on the internet so we can compare and contrast that, and then you know, like talk about talk about that some more, but. Okay, so, you know, moving on from from Ray a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, what do we, what do we think about Finn? Finn, I think, I think initially, so he, he's an interesting character, and I would be interested to know his, his past and his motivations because we get some information about what he did on the Death Star and the fact that he's he was taken very young from a family he says he'll never know. And apparently all of them are. All of them are. Right. And he he but he has a a moral compass where the rest of them do not. Mm-hmm. He's not entirely brainwashed. Right. He's not entirely brainwashed and we don't know why. We don't know why that is. And we can't um sense his motivations in that way. Like we just know that he has to break out. And he has a full on anxiety attack when he goes for his first um, mission down to Jakku to kill the villagers. Like he absolutely can't fire. And they know it. Kylo Ren knows it. And um, Tin Can Lady knows it. And they know it. Bad management lady. Bad management. Bad management lady. <laughs> don't know her name. Fa- Captain Phantas- Phasma. Phasma. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Phantasma. I don't know where I got it. I like it though. Phantasm. Um, that's a movie. Oh. About a chrome ball, which is kind of weird. <laughs> it is weird. Yeah. Anyway. Bunny um, trail. So, but he goes so far as to, you get the impression that he submits his weapon and goes for reprogramming, but never ma- never quite makes it to reprogramming and instead decides, makes the decision to break out the captured Poe Damero, who is taken by um, Kylo Ren by force from the Bedouin tent that he was in and, you know. Well, I mean, Finn seemed terrified that he was going to be punished somehow. Sure. And that seemed to be his motivation for mm-hmm. breaking out Bo. And, and, yeah. and I think that it absolutely, but, but most stormtroopers I think would have submitted. That's what they do. Because yeah, they're brainwashed. Right. But right. they once have disobeyed in the first place. Sure. Right. And so what is his motivation? I would like to know. I, I wanted some of that in this movie, to be honest yeah. with you. I think five minutes of exposition on him would have would have sufficed. But, but I mean, he was he was a cutie overall. I thought that his acting, uh, that, you know, the actual actor's um, behavior was very convincing. And uh, he was he was portrayed a little cheesily sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but overall, like, I don't know. He seemed like a nice guy. I had real no problems with him except for again i would have liked to i would have liked to been able to connect with him more than i did yeah Yeah. well i mean i guess i i was able to connect with him a little more on the second viewing than the first viewing yes i agree um you know because in the first viewing i was you know i was confused about his motivations but i missed a couple things that were said that make me understand things a little more about the first order troopers because even though he refers to himself as a stormtrooper, I don't think he is a stormtrooper. Like they might call themselves stormtroopers, I guess, but like I would class all of the all of the troopers in the first order as just first order troopers. They're not actually stormtroopers because stormtroopers are clones, and the first order troopers are not. They're not clones because Kylo Ren 
in the the middle of the of an argument with the general, like the the evil general of the first mm-hmm. order. Uh, T. Why are they always with T? Tark. This naughty British Tark? guy. Tark. Tark. Yeah, like Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> so anyway, um, the the young the younger offspring maybe. That'd be interesting to find out. Um. So. Anyway, <clears throat> real quick though, was he was he the snotty British guy? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. Got it. So in an argument with that, um, Kylo almost mockingly suggests that maybe I just should have used clones instead of his troopers, and 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 Tark stands up for himself and he's like, no, these guys are programmed, you know, like they're they're good, from birth. they're yeah, from birth, they're they're fine. Don't don't mess with me and my, you know, brainwashed children soldiers. And, you and know, there's clearly competition between the two men. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. Of course. You know, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Which I, I think might cause some conflict in the second movie. I would imagine. Vying, vying for daddy's love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Snoke. Yeah. They don't like each yeah. other. Yeah, so, um, but, but you know, in hearing that, I'm like, okay, well, you know, in every brainwash reprogramming thing, there's always, there's always a, a, you know, a small few that resist it. And yeah, they probably weed it out, but there's some that resist and subconsciously like give in just to survive like that survival instinct kicks in and maybe we won't get a lot of finn's backstory because finn's backstory is kind of technically very plainly written in like two or three sentences he was a child soldier brought up in this world and the switch flipped when it got real like he got put in his first combat combat mission he his programming was supposed to kick in it didn't instead of it, get, it kicking in it actually kicked him out like mm-hmm. like a you know like a neo waking up mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. a, you know like a matrix style and he's like confused <coughs> and he doesn't know what's going on and now he's scared and now he's like adrenaline is running and he's like i don't want to kill you i don't i don't want to kill these guys it doesn't make any sense what's going on like why did this other guy come in and like, out of nowhere you know scary face mask dude and he just like cuts this guy down like he's like some kind of unhinged monster like what the heck what is going on you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not down with that. And then the guy gets shot. And then it's like, well, that was my buddy. Like, my right. buddy just died. Like, what, what's up with that? Now I got his blood on my face. Like, that's cool. Like, that's not cool. Like, I'm out of here. Yeah, who so got... he's, like, freaking out about it. I do have to just bring up one thing with that, though. Sure. Like, so the buddy gets shot and somehow loses his glove so that he can, like, leave a bloody handprint going down well, fast. I think mass. he grabs his wound. He didn't... I don't think he had his... No, no, no. It, I it was swear. His hand? I swear, because the first time I thought that he had his, his glove yeah. on, but the second time, he definitely had, like, his fingers were showing. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. I felt as if that was a little contrived. I understand, yeah. like, it makes Finn stand out then. You don't have to be wondering, okay, which of one of those white, yeah, white-coated uh, he's, he's, guys are Finn. Yeah, he's the one with the blood on his Yeah, face. exactly. But it was a little too glaringly obvious. Right, right. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, but it's something to do. And it's like, all right, nah. it's fine. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. But, you know, and it, his character does also grow. And I think the cool thing about these, these new characters is very unlike the prequel trilogy... I walked out of that theater. I know who Finn is. Mm-hmm. I know who Ray is. I think they're both pretty cool peeps. Even Poe is kind of cool. Um, and I'm I'm ready to see more of the three of them do cool stuff together. Mm-hmm. I walked out of Phantom Menace going, I really hope Anakin turns into a good character because I'm not too sure about this nine-year-old. <laughs> sorry, Jake Lloyd. I'm sorry. You know, but you were a nine-year-old and you had a weird director. And... 
I didn't really care about Qui-Gon. Yeah, he died, and that's sad, and he, like, trained the boy, but you were, like, this crazy dude, like, who was, like, obsessed about midichlorians, and it's like, what the heck are you just, stop putting science in my force. So, like, no, it's, like, it's a thing. Like, it's just, you know, like, we get, we get what the force is. You don't have to science it up, you know? Um, and every other character that was introduced in to set up the Clone Wars, and even through the the second and third movie in that trilogy were so inconsequential to the greater you know the greater story that I just couldn't connect with them because mm-hmm. I either knew that a they were all going to die or b they were just so flat or poor and I'm not even going to talk about Jar Jar because you know what the heck with Jar Jar you right. know BB is so be- so much better a new children's quote unquote character to to uh to go with than than Jar Jar ever would be or ever will be you know, and it's like walking out of that. I'm like, cool, awesome. Now I can have something to look forward to because I really do look forward to seeing the rest of this stuff. Like, I want to see where it all goes. I want to see the expansion of the story in the universe. You know, and I'm actually also even more excited to see some of the stuff that these new, the new writing and producing teams do with the past. Because the next thing that we're going to see before we hit 2017 to see the next episode is, of course, a story that takes place in the past between episodes three and four. So. Like, but I'm ready for it. I'm not scared anymore because, you know, like, I got an entertaining blockbuster that, you know, like, that made me want to sit back in the seat and pay real-world dollars to go see it again and enjoy it. Like, I walked out of the theater that second time going, yep, still cool. Like, still awesome. In fact, I'm getting, like, I'm gleaning some more information and I'm playing the J.J. Abrams game and going, all right, well... What did I see this time? What did I learn? What new information did I learn? What kind of secrets are buried somewhere in some kind of frame, you know, like in the background? Or, you know, did someone say something that, that makes me open my eyes and go, oh, okay, I get it. You know, yeah, all of that happened in this, in this particular viewing. So, you know, for me, those, those characters are, are, um, are pretty cool. I mean, talking about Poe, you know, I, I completely agree with you that Poe, of, of all the characters that should have, like, some pretty, like, fiercely like like big background Poe should have been that character mm-hmm. you know there should have been some more more interaction between the best pilot and the resistance and everybody else you get that a little later when he's leading the squadron and they're kicking ass and taking names on um the other planet that I can't remember with what's her face the lady orange alien with the eyes I don't know yeah do they name it they do they do name the planet but I I don't know yeah, I don't know where where it is. Han says it a couple times, okay. but mm, nope, don't know where that is. But even but, even <clears throat> she, the weird alien with the yeah, she's the, even cool. She she there's a connection there too. Like mm-hmm. you you get a real real human moments with her, even though despite the fact that she's not human, the the probing of personalities and and the the idea that she she cares she cares about Han mm-hmm. she cares about these two kids who walked into her outpost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she cares she cares about her boyfriend she cares about her boyfriend <laughs> yep yep Chewy yep Chewy um, she likes that Wookie she does like mm-hmm. that Wookie mm-hmm. she does she really indeed. does um, and and you get the sense that she knows more than she lets on mm-hmm. and that that she will be someone who we revisit yep. and not unhappily. Right. There was no part of her that was ridiculous or a caricature. She was very, she was very much a character that I could connect to. Yep. I don't remember her name, but um, 
and I and I think that's that that character is going to be the character that has a reveal moment with Ray. Sure, like one hundred percent. I think that's going to happen. Sure, she's kind of like a more likable Yoda. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Less annoying. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, Better grammar. Better yes. Grammar. And less force sensitive. Less force sensitive. And yet she understood the force. Yes. Right. That's very true. And was able to give Ray guidance without knowing it. She knew it, but mm-hmm. without realizing how impactful that guidance was. Right. So are we ready to talk about the other side of the, the coin here we've talked about? Well, I mean, do you, or do you want to talk a little bit more about Poe? I like Poe is fine. I, I, I sort of he's the one I have the hardest time connecting with. To be very honest with you, I find him not flat, mm-hmm. but not he's sort of a, more a portrait than anything. And I fully expected him to die in this movie. To be very frank yep. with you, and and he was supposed yeah, to. I know, which makes a lot of sense to me because because then he just shows up. so so very abruptly right. that you're like, like huh? I knew he was biting it when we walked into the theater when he was in that Bedouin tent. I knew he was going to die. And he does. Like, his his comeback or whatever is so, so abrupt and so sort of... I So it caught me by surprise. And movies very rarely catch me by surprise, mm-hmm. to be very frank with you. Because she's the movie whisperer. I am the movie. It is my superpower. Um, but... Not in a good way. Like, I wasn't like, oh, yay. Like, I was like, oh, I guess they want him in the second film. And he's not unattractive. And I can imagine that if you don't go for Finn because he's a little too young for you, this sort of strappy guy might be nah. a playboy that you could, you know, like like the, the new Han kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you could the swoon new, over you him could swoon over if him. you're into that. You know, and so to kill him would be a waste of a swoon-worthy character. I guess so. I mean, uh-huh. but it's also like a waste of a good support character, too. Because, yeah. you know, in, in, and I think, I think in, in, you know, Star Wars, there's always, <coughs> you know, or even like, or even technically Harry Potter, right? There's always the experienced one, the cocky one, and the one that's kind of like, maybe fumbling their way into greatness mm-hmm. you know and I think with with Poe Finn and and Ray that's what you get you get you know you get Ray is the one who's awakening obviously this is why this whole story is happening like she's clearly going to be the protagonist and you know like clearly going to bring balance to the force or whatever is, is going to happen or maybe not who knows um, you know uh, Finn is the you know the the guy who scared himself into being you know the 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 um the cocky sarcastic character that he is and you get poe who's been through it and seen it and actually did fight where where finn doesn't have that experience he might have had training which he displays but he didn't actually have fighting experience until he was fighting for the good side I would actually say that he's more cocky than Finn, though. I wouldn't. I wouldn't label Finn as cocky. No. I would label him as confused and then madly in love with Ray. Okay. Um, and so his his initial motivation is fear, and then his his secondary motivation is is you know little puppy love, right. um, which is adorable and everything. Yeah, but, that's fine. But I don't know. I never really thought of him as as cocky. There are moments where he he tries to be, like when he says to Han, you know. I'm kind of a big deal or whatever, whatever he says. Yeah, that's yeah. fear again. Right. It's totally motivated by yeah. fear. So it, he it, wants he, someone to protect him. Yeah, he, he, wa- he wants, <laughs> you know, and Han 
in in his very astute way, you know. He's like, you're not fooling me, right. and you're not going to fool your chicky poo for right. long either, exactly. sweet. Exactly, exactly. Sweet stuff. And so I think that there, he he's not the cocky one necessarily. I think he's the one who's who's learning how to be, as much as Ray's learning how to be, having an awakening in terms of, of the force, he's having an awakening in learning how to be human. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that works. Okay. So. Yeah. You know, and I think their journeys are parallel in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, and he learns he learns how to be, or maybe they're both learning how to be heroes. I don't know. Right. But but he's having an awakening in that sense. So right. you you know, and it's it is fairly unusual to be very frank to get two characters having parallel awakenings. You know, that aren't opposed to each other. That sure. Aren't, you know. Yeah. That aren't in opposition. Right. So. Yeah, I think that's sort of a little fresh, mm-hmm, you know. Well, and, you know, speaking of, you know, actually spin off from, from those characters, you know, I think I kind of want to, like, maybe even applaud the handling of the, with, with one rare, with one minor exception, maybe major exception, the the classic characters of, of, the, of the original trilogy. <sighs> um, you know, Han comes in, he steps onto the Millennium Falcon when the first time you see him on screen, and his character literally does not skip a beat. Nope. You go from Jedi to he walks on a thing, Chewie, we're home. That is Han Solo. Let's go. Done. You don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about what he did. He makes references to what he did. You know, you, you get you get enough of the, his his past to to art. You know, you're already connected to this character. You you know, he's the fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Chewie is just Chewie, and he's hanging out there, and you don't have to to worry about him. Um, and then by the time the story starts really like taking shape and taking form, you're like, okay, well, clearly, you know, Han Solo is, you know, central to the storyline because he has such a deep connection. Um, when you have the reveal that you know the which comes fairly quickly in the movie, very, yeah, also very surprising, yeah. That you know the antagonist is his own son. You're like that's crazy, right? Yeah. You know, like that's right. wild. Um, you know, and and very un very uncommon for maybe something like a Star Wars movie because you wait, you have the big reveal moment, right? That's mm-hmm. you know the whole, the whole movie builds up and then you get that moment. Yeah. You know, um, but they they dealt with it early, which means as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, well, who's the mother? Well, it's got to be the mother, right? Mm-hmm. And then you find out it is, and they're like, "Oh, well, you got to find this. You know, what's the interaction? Why were they? Why are they not all, the, all together all the time? Like, what's going on? Like, why is Han doing all this smuggling stuff? And you know, and then you find out because, you know, because of his son's choice, he felt like ashamed, or you know, like, you know, he felt that he needed to kind of like step back because he thought he thought he failed as a father or whatever, and you know, you kind of get that. Um, Which and, he didn't fail. Luke did. Well, <laughs> yeah, but in the same point, like, I'm, I'm mostly joking about that. Just for the record, well, I really am. But I mean, getting there. I mean, you know, you you have that moment too where you're like, oh, all right, well, you know, laying this, laying and all this kind of like is is a little like a little more of a step down as far as like immediately connecting with that character because Leia doesn't really play like Leia. You know, right. so older and wiser, maybe, 
But but I kind of felt as if that would was expected, especially yeah. considering how her brother ran off on her to leave yeah. her to take care of absolutely everything all by her little lonesome. And that's true. she's that's true. less brash, that's yeah. for sure. Yes. She's less she, and she's less hot headed. Yeah. Right. But I think that in the way in which so here I'm gonna play the gender card again. Women have a tendency to mature when they become parents. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a parent or you choose not to be a parent, mm-hmm. I think that men have a tendency to get stuck, you know, whether they fathered children or not. You know, it's not about, you know, I think that th- this is Leia as a mother, Leia as a general. Leia, I think th- the role of general was perfect for her. Her evenness, her calmness, her her reserve suited her. Mm-hmm. Much right. better than the the brashness yeah. of which I guess there's a reason why she chose that path and like right. well I'm just gonna lead this this resistance yep. then if you know if if my core unit my core family is you know kind of you know banged up you know I'm just gonna bury my head in this then yeah. so I, I can get I can get behind that. Well, and her first moment on screen is when you know she first sees Han after however many years it's been. I would say probably what two or three, considering. The, maybe even longer. Maybe like five. Yeah, you know, I mean five so, to five to ten, probably. Well, but considering how how well, maybe maybe that's that's beside the point at, at the moment. Yeah. Um, but you know, she just looks at Han and and she just has this really fond expression on her face, like like yeah, you're still the one, sweetie. You ran off, and and I know that you're really upset and worried about our son, but. But we still work together, you know? And I don't know. It just... I, I thought it was a cute moment. And I thought it worked. And I bought it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, no, I, I did too. I was still irritated with Han for, you know, running off the way right. he did. But but I bought the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I will I will tell you that old Leia would have hauled off and punched him in the face. Oh, she would have. Totally. Yep. And there was a little bit of that expectation. I was sort of waiting for that. And then it didn't happen. I was like, well, okay. Mm. Guess guess you've learned to temper yourself a little bit, right? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and so I was a little disappointed, to be very honest with you, because I felt like he deserved a slap in the face. Oh, he totally did. Yeah. He yep. totally did. So. He kind of was a bit of a big baby in his ultimate decision. So, and I know yeah. he says, you know, I know that you can't look at me. Whenever you look at me, you see him. Um, him being, you know, their son, mm-hmm. and that's obviously very painful considering what baby boy is doing these days um so i get that but at the same time i'm like seriously han that was a cowardly move yeah right and you think that he has a transformation at the end of yeah and i think he did but then you know life happened in not so great ways and he didn't handle it well yeah Yeah, sure so yep 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 but you know and then (coughs) um you know, you get some check-in with some other, like, tertiary classic mm-hmm. characters. C-3PO is running around with a red arm. First don't, yeah. don't care. Yeah. No. You know, like, you know, like, care about C-3PO because he's, you know, the only one character who's been in the entire saga that has seen pretty much all of it besides R2. Mm. You know, those are, the, those are the two who went on this journey together. Um, and, um, and of them all, C-3PO's kind of, like, interacted with the story much more than even R2 mm-hmm. does, even though R2 has more of the critical moments. Um, so it's kind of cool to see him and, and hang out and stuff like that. Um, and then there's Luke. Oh, my gosh. Okay, who, can, can I start in on Luke, please? Well, I'm begging you. But who the entire story revolves around. Mm-hmm. 
finding Luke. It's finding Luke. You got to find Luke. You got to do this all the stuff. And there's so many opportunities in the story where Luke can actually just present himself instead of having to be, you know, like forcing everyone to literally go find him. But, like, you get the payoff right at the end where there's Luke standing on the island where the Jedi Temple is, clearly ushering in the training that Rey is to receive. But he's literally in the movie for, like, less than five minutes, and he says nothing. nothing. And he does nothing, too. All he does is stare. Rey is holding out the lightsaber, and he doesn't even take the lightsaber from her. Well, he's he's processing some severe emotions at that point. Eh. Like, I can... <laughs> and. And seeing it the second time, you know what? Like, I'm not going to applaud Mark Hamill, but I'll applaud some of the direction because they're actually able to convey some sm- some small, like, micro-expression stuff going on in, in Luke Skywalker's face because he turns around to see Rey first, and he's surprised, obviously, that there's someone there and maybe even that it is who it is. And then he sees the saber, and he and he like it flashes on his on his face that it's almost fear, like oh you found it, you know like this this thing, you know this MacGuffin maybe that they you know I mean, technically Luke is a MacGuffin but you know like you you have this thing in the in in your hand that holds so much power to the to the whole saga that is my life, and yeah you know, I'm not quite understanding why this is being returned to me but I'm not necessarily sure I like it and then you see his uh, yeah or why and then you see his face again as he's trying to he's as he's clearly stealing himself to finally speak to Ray before the the credits roll and as he's stealing himself he's almost sad like here we go again I'm gonna have to do this okay let's let me say something and I'm sure I'm almost positive that the first words out of his mouth are like I didn't want you to find me like just go away like just I don't want to deal with this because mm-hmm. you know that that's Luke that you know he'd be like you know like this is too much you know either that or grave things have happened you have to be the one because I can't do this anymore I mean Mark Hamill I was impressed with but Luke Okay, I understand that, you know, having your your Jedi student slaughter the rest of your Jedi students, your star pupil, that, that would be rather traumatizing and everything. I get that. Mm-hmm. But he goes running off. Everything falls to pieces. He leaves his sister, his grieving sister, I'm sure. He leaves his grieving, you know, friend and, and brother-in-law. Um, he leaves everyone and everything he believes in. And then he goes off and hides himself to sulk. And I just, I can't respect that at all. Luke is supposed to be this this great Jedi, and yet I don't respect him. Not a single bit. Mm. He's supposed to be tougher than this. Jedis are supposed to be tougher than this, and yeah, he's not. That's true. But, I mean, he takes, he takes the, the same fate that Yoda does. You know, he has a classic, you know, like this epic confrontation at the end of Revenge of the Sith with Palpatine himself. Mm-hmm. Um, failed I have. You know, Going he, to exile I must, he yep. says. He Yoda. fails, he loses the battle, and he runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never to be seen again. Yeah. You know, Obi-Wan runs. Mm-hmm. 
puts himself into exile, but keeps tabs on on Luke because he, he believes that he's the one that's going to finally correct it all. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, I guess corrected he does. But, you know, to then, to what end? You know, because now, okay, you start the building blocks of a young Jedi Academy again mm-hmm. on some unknown planet. To have something go wrong that maybe a little two shades closer to what happened with your own father mm-hmm. and you well, take and Yoda's way out. runs in the family and that's, that's scary too, I'm right. sure. And he's like, oh, I mean, this is it. I mean, I can't do this anymore. There can't be Jedi. Maybe the, maybe the, the balance in the force me- needs to be that, you know, make everybody like, you know, I'd rather everyone not believe the force even exists and actually have it be, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm out. You know, but then, but, but you see the removal even <clears throat> at the end of Return of the Jedi with Luke. He mm-hmm. is not participating in the Wookiee dance at all. He stands at a tree and he sulks for for reasons. That's true. Like he, this is not out of character for him, right? This is this is not unexpected. <clears throat> He's things didn't happen to go his way this time and so he's sitting on an island sulking i don't see it as so, such a character departure oh or, no not at all you know, no um as as much as a like a character are, failing are we right it's a total character flaw yeah mm-hmm. and and like i don't understand how this greatness can be possessed in this man who is completely and utterly over emotional, yeah, like, right. and and you see the same over emotiveness in both his father, not in the classic, but in the prequel, in the prequel trilogy. He's unhinged in a different, like in a in a, just unhinged, and then in his nephew, you see the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you see this, but but I think that that's more a, a knife point balance in in Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about Kylo Ren now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, this is a, a good bridge. segue into this. Because, um, yeah. Because this is, and here is where I felt like we had a villain who is, who is totally struggling. And I think that not en- there's not enough portrayal of villains who do. I don't think you become a villain because you have it all figured out. I think you become a villain because you don't have it figured out. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you have that internal struggle, that pull. And he says at one point, you know, I feel the pull to the light side. He's unhappy about it. He's trying to school himself to be more Vader, like you see the helmet mm-hmm. in the in the altar. You know, teach me, grandfather. I think I think he calls him grandfather. Mm-hmm. He does. Um, but at the same moment, he is totally totally at times completely deranged like, oh my word yeah he yeah. T- he destroys two rooms with his lightsaber because he's throwing a temper tantrum right yep you know and and there's that lack of lack of maturity there mm-hmm. and and that lack of being able to like clear his mind and not emote you know and that gets him into serious trouble later on but i have to say that as a as a villain he's interesting and I, I have to know at this point, now that we've started talking to him, when, because I'm the movie whisperer, I knew the moment that I found out that Han's, Han was his father, mm-hmm. that Han was going to die by his hand. I knew it. it. Without a shadow of a doubt, I knew. 
that he was going to die. I didn't, I couldn't probably predicted how I, I knew it was going to come by the, the, the lightsaber. I didn't realize it was going to be on a bridge and a complete and total parallel to what happened in a, uh, Empire no, Strikes Back. Thank you. Empire Strikes Back. Couldn't come up with a name. Um, but I knew it was going to happen. Right. And when I, so it's interesting when I have these understandings because then I, in those moments, I know they're coming and I can sit back and sort of see the rest of the theater on the shock on their faces. Really? So people so were really people surprised. People were really surprised. Mm-hmm. I think Rich was genuinely surprised. Okay. So I did not know as early as Danae did it because I'm not the movie whisperer. But, um, but I definitely knew like as, and I can't tell you exactly when, but by the time that Han like shouted out for his son, mm-hmm. as like, oh, sweetheart, you're biting it right now. Yeah. Like, give it five minutes. Give you're it done. five minutes and you're done. You're done. And so to me, and by that point, honestly, I was kind of, I wasn't disengaged, but I was disengaged at the same time. So I was like, yeah, okay, Han's going to die. Oh, well. Um, but I totally knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, with me, it was total fan denial. Mm. Like, I saw it coming. But, you know, I saw it coming when, maybe not as early as you, but I saw it coming when when Han's, when Han's like, you know, secondary objective was get Kylo Ren to come yes. back. Yes, yes. And I'm like, he's not coming back. Yeah. He doesn't want to come back, and he's not going to do it now. And if you're going to try to force the issue... You're not coming back. You're not coming back. Yeah. And... It's You're like, totally right, though. It was Leia's conversation with Han about bring our son back, and I was like, oh, gosh, this ain't going to go well. Right, and in the way the way it might have been read by Han was like, bring him back or don't come back, you know, or don't come home. Mm. You know, like, he obviously, clearly, it wasn't intended to be that way. Leia wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But to to Han, you know, he's he he felt that he's failed once. He's not going to fail again. And, and, you know, when he saw, when he saw Ben... You know, going and walking past him, he he really had to dig deep and go. Well, this is going to happen, and whatever whatever the end is, you know, to to whatever end, I'm going to see this through. And he and then he goes out to the bridge and he calls his name. And well, and also he loves his son though. It's very right. obvious that he still cares about him, mm-hmm. and so you know, he's still his dad. Right. Yeah. And and there's a point where we had a conversation. Rich and I had a conversation about you know, the, the ultimate sin of patricide. And I said, yeah, but in the moment that Han um, is run through with the lightsaber, he forgives his son on that bridge. Oh, there's, he totally there's, does. There's an, a moment where he, you know it, it happens. So if Han can forgive him, then is it possible for the audience to forgive him? And honestly, I didn't even get the impression that Han was forgiving him in that moment. It was just more like, I love you. Mm-hmm. Like it was just but this it was, moment of, of my son, I really want the best for you. Right. It was acceptance. It was acceptance yes. of his fate. Mm-hmm. It was acceptance that he had helped him. And it was, it, I do think it was a moment of like, I, I love you and I forgive you and you're my son. Mm-hmm. You're still my son. Yeah. And, and in that moment of acceptance and forgiveness and all of that, it, it is like a very touching moment. And mm-hmm. Harrison Ford does it very well. Um, cause he's Harrison Ford. Cause he's Harrison Ford and he's had a lot of practice. Um, <laughs> he's like 500 years old. <laughs> And I have to say, not to go down this bunny trail, but for a bunch of 70-year-old men, 
They move pretty well, especially after one of them had to have food surgery when the Millennium Falcon door fell on his foot. No, no, no. Yeah. He broke three ribs because the, the spring um, on the Millennium Falcon like went crazy. Nope. He, he also broke his foot. Okay. He did. He did get injured twice while filming. This oh movie. my word! The poor guy. Yep. But he had to have surgery on his on his foot and ankle because the Millennium Falcon door. No wonder. Him. No wonder he could forgive his son for killing him because that means he doesn't have to go through that again. <laughs> and in addition, J.J. Abrams broke it to, when he was trying to get the door the door of the Millennium Falcon off of Harrison Ford. Uh, broke his back and didn't tell anyone for a month. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Wow. Yeah, that's how committed he was to this movie that he didn't tell anyone. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's intense. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, lots of people injured in this movie. But for for Chewbacca, who's seventy two, the uh, Peter Mayhew is seventy two years old, who plays Chewbacca, and um, Harrison Ford, who was seventy or or some something. I think actually Harrison Ford is a little older. Seventy three. Seventy three. Something like that. Seventy three. Yeah. Um. They move pretty well. Yeah. Well, to Chewbacca's credit, though, he had help. Oh, yeah? There were two Chewies. Oh. There was Peter Mayhew in most scenes, but all of the action scenes, um, because it's kind of hard to be a 72-year-old or 71-year-old, like, seven-foot-tall man. Yeah. I'm sure that there's many, many medical issues that can stem from that. Um, they hired a, like, 30-something, seven, seven-footer. Got it. And I think he's going to probably be... Chewbacca from now on. Chewy from now on or whatever. Well, then Harrison Ford did pretty well. He did. He did. But he's a pro. Like, this is what he does. That's true. You know, like, this is is it. I mean, not that that Peter Mayhew doesn't, but, I mean, Harrison Ford has had way more roles in his career than than Peter Mayhew has. Sure. Um, Way um, more action roles. But speaking of Peter Mayhew and Chewbacca and that fateful scene that happens Mm -hmm. um, on Starkiller Base... Mm -hmm. So, fans of Chewbacca know that Chewbacca owes Han Solo a life debt. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's why he's following him around, and he's he he's his bro. He's you know his his Wookiee bro. Um, so he he watches Han Solo fall. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens? You know, like what you know, like I know this is like a weird little like inconsequential bunny trail, but that could severely affect Chewbacca's character going yeah. on, like. You know, what is his life debt now to oh. to Han now that he's failed? Now that he's failed, does he have to get vengeance? Does he have to kill his son? I don't know. I mean, who knows? Well, who he knows? tried to kill him. Well, he shoots he shoots Kylo Ren with a bowcaster, yeah. and, you know, you've seen what the bowcaster does all movie long. They make a huge point of, like, the bowcaster does some pretty serious mm-hmm. damage. The bowcaster just blew this stormtrooper, like, three feet in the air mm-hmm. and threw him up against a wall just because, you know, it does. And yeah, it's the distance is pretty is pretty clear, but he hits Kylo Ren straight in the side. Yeah. And all 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 he does is go ow. So he's got some pretty strong fortitude, that guy. Yeah. Well, and both times I watched it, I remember thinking, you know, Chewie grew up with, uh, I'm not this kid grew up with Chewie. Chewie knew him from, you know, when he was a baby mm-hmm. and I'm sure cared about him at some point, and mm-hmm. yet, you know, it was like, oh no, you just killed my buddy, so I'm taking you down. Yeah, yep. without hesitation. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know. Yeah, there was like maybe some moments of disbelief as all of that that was playing out in mm-hmm. everybody's head, but Chewie was the first to respond, and he, yeah. resto- he responded with, 
well, I'm going to get you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, so that, I mean, that, you know, and, and fair, and doc, fair doc. enough. Yeah, right. exactly. exactly. So, I mean, but does that mean, like, you know, is is the is the life that now, like, I'm going to be Ray's buddy, or? I don't know. And I got that impression, though, because Han, Han made that point about how, you know, oh, Chewie kind of likes you, Ray, so why don't you stay on with my mm-hmm. crew and mm-hmm, everything? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he never officially makes the offer, but it's obvious that he's coming around right. to it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I... I I can accept this, that, like, there were maybe some unspoken words between Han and Chewie yeah. that we didn't get sure. to see where, where he was like, okay, yeah, you know, watch over this chick for yeah, me. Yeah, you gotta yeah, take if care I, of her. If exactly. I don't make it, yeah. you make you're sure that she's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Or or I can also accept that Chewie just accepts that he right. needs to look over Han's mm-hmm. ship, and guess what? Ray's, Ray's now the pilot, yeah. you right. know? So, therefore... Right. Right, part of the package deal. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's and I, true. I'm fine accepting either answer there. Yeah. And, and I think that Chewie, P- Peter Mayhew, or random 30-year-old 7-foot guy mm-hmm. um, is is part and parcel of however long he, he's on the thrill ride. Right. You know, and, and, and he's, he's uh, you know, as much as we might get more C-3PO, yay. <laughs> uh, who I'm not too fond of, I will admit. Yeah. He stays he's behind, annoying. though. He's annoying though. Yeah, he's he really is. annoying. Yeah. He's annoying and frustrating and kind of not very nice to anyone. He Although he good. is more intuitive in this one. Like he yeah. starts talking, Hello, Han, you might not recognize me. And then he's like, Oh, wait a minute. This is supposed to be a moment between the general and her, you know, runaway husband. So maybe I should move on. Mm-hmm. So I have to give him credit for that. Yeah. But <sighs> And today's like, no, no, I hate him. <laughs> no, he's maybe perhaps a smidgen less annoying in this than than he is in others. But, like, he takes no responsibility. How does a droid take no responsibility? Like, I just don't get it. He's pro- Somebody reprogram that droid! Like, for God's sakes! <laughs> Tell does us how he, you really feel tonight. not annoy everyone? I think he should annoy everyone. Um, so Again, I mean, he annoys me. I'm with you here. <laughs> I just think... When you, there are enough humans that don't take responsibility for themselves, can we like fix this droid? Please? <laughs> <laughs> Fair so, enough. So, and then maybe move on to some humans. Uh, yeah, can we reprogram them too? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, I think I think that as much as Mark Hamill and and Carrie Fisher might be part of the rest of the the series, or at least maybe next movie. Mm-hmm. So it so in fact is Chewie going to be with Ray until the end of either his life or his need. Right. So yeah. No, I, I yeah. But I mean, at that point, you know, as far as Wookiees, what Wookiees do, it's probably the the former. Right. You know, it's 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 until Chewie is no more Chewie. Right. You know. Um. But um. But at any rate, um. We can go back to Kylo Ren though, because yeah. I think. I think we we haven't talked about him enough. I, right. No, no. Uh, I mean, Kylo Ren is a character that is like, you know, like, thank you. Um, you know, like, almost, almost like teenage angst personified. Yeah. You know, like. My daddy un- didn't love me. Yeah, like un- unhinged and angry and vengeful and like all those things but also scared and you know conflicted and conflicted and and all those you know like all those everything bottled up in one it was like, 
And also, does he think that Ray's cute? Is that why he wants her on his team? Or is there some other factor in there? He he knows she's seen the map, so that's why he takes her. Yeah, I know that. And then he realized no, he realizes her power. He senses it when she fights back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When she can get into his head, it terrifies him. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. But He's almost, he almost tries to have, like, a poignant moment with her before he realizes her power. Right. Like, he's much nicer to her, even while he's going all Vulcan on her mind. Right. Um, he's much nicer to her than he was to Bo. I think that there's the sense that she's not, she's not, um, as, as potentially damaging as Poe is, um, Wait, is it Poe, not Bo? Poe, not Bo. Oh, I thought it was Bo. Oh, well. Yeah. Good to know. Um, maybe he's. Maybe she's not as perceived as, like, as much as... much of a threat. A, 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 or as much as a, of an enemy. Mm. You know? Because, you know, where Poe is a member of the Resistance, not only a member of the Resistance, but the best pilot that the Resistance has, which means that, to the First Order, he's kind of public enemy number one. You know, because I'm sure he's down... More TIE fighters than anyone else in his day. That's the reason why he claims this record, right? So, of course, Kylo's, like, not incensed, but, you know, he's real mad at the dude. It was like, you know, you've shown my, you've shown me and my my team up because of, you know, because of your perceived awesomeness. So, yeah, I'll knock you around a little bit because, you know, I'm puffing my chest at you. Um, and with Ray, it's a little different because he doesn't necessarily need to show that much force so he's toying with her he's like you know you know like he says it he's like you know i'm just gonna take whatever i need you know might as well just do it you know so so that way we can just get it done so i can throw you in a cell or do whatever um so he's he's overconfident you know in that in that in that interrogation um and he he the reason why he's he's overconfident is is the fact that he like he he pushes he pushes too far and leaves himself too vulnerable, because as soon as Ray starts realizing what's happening to her, she starts concentrating and going wait, you know if he's looking into me maybe I can look into him and she starts trying and then sees some pretty uh pretty like tender stuff to 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 Kylo in his head he's like oh well you know you you've got some you know you got some daddy and granddaddy issues and you know you're afraid and you're not you know you're not all this big bad powerful guy you're just some kid who's just trying to make his way i agree with everything you said for the latter half of that but i never got the impression that he was toying with her i got the impression that he was trying to get her onto his side in the beginning like he was just like look here you know I, I'm going to get into your head regardless, so how about you just, you know, join the dark side now and, and we can be buddies. Well, maybe. Like, yeah. I did I did feel as if he wanted her good opinion for whatever reason, regardless of whether it was because, oh, she's kind of cute or because, oh, I kind of want, I don't know, she seems as conflicted as I do and I want I want someone, I want a buddy to talk to, you know? Right, maybe. I don't know, but for some reason, I got the impression that... Do you think he got into her head before she was conscious, though, and and realized her loneliness? Because he he reads her like a book. Well, she's kind of readable, though. Yeah. Yeah. And he feels the same, like, solitude that she does. There's a clear parallel there. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? And so if he he can... Well, he he sees stuff on the planet before he takes her up to that room. 
What's that? When he paralyzes her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He reads her there. And that's why he makes the decision to take her in the first place. Right. Because he's looking for the map. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's all he cares about. Like, oh, you're this special girl, whatever. I'm not really concerned about that. Do you have the map or not? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've seen the map. Oh, this will be easy. Right. You know. And so he, I think he sees her loneliness and sees that he might be able to have a partner that, you know. Okay, and, and I can buy that. You no. Know, because he talks about it. And he, like, and you can see that there's a, um, in his eyes, there's there's not a longing for that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a point where it gets a little creepy, and especially if you know those those of us who make predictions have have um, correct assumptions about their familial relationship. Because there's a point where it comes really close to like creep factor. Oh yeah, totally. But not the first time. He he is digging on her. I think there is a I think there is that. I mean, how many females are there on Starkiller Base? I mean, there are a couple, maybe. Yeah, he's, I mean, not, well, he's not friends with any of them. Well, cuz they're all they're all they're all stormtroopers. They're all warriors mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, and even if even if there is not the oh she's a cute girl factor in there, he's still he's still a guy violating her brain. Mm-hmm. So that's creepy. Mm-hmm. It just is. So, yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he thinks of it that way though. Mm. He's not trying to be like, oh well, you know, I let me know. go from the brain to the like to the naughty bits. I mean, I don't think I don't get any of that. I, I, I definitely disagree. I don't know about that at There's all. There's a point where he's like caressing her with his words. He's mm-hmm. so close to her, it's almost like seduction. Well, because he's trying to like you know like see see where she's gonna go mentally. Like right. I, I don't think. I don't think it's... I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because I don't, like, think like that. But, you know, I don't really see... I don't really see that too much. But also... All I'm saying is, as a chick, I was a little, like, okay. Yeah, this this might get uncomfortable. If yeah. it goes if it goes a smidgen further, this is going to get uncomfortable. Okay. That's yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, maybe it needs to be more blatant for me, though, as mm. a as a guy I guess but but you're generally not the kind of guy who goes there either so I will say that there are other guys who went there I'm just I'm, mm-hmm. I'm calling those mm-hmm. guys out because they went there alright well yeah they totally I mean, did I guess, especially the guys who were like oh my word seeing Leo was a boner killer yeah 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 well I mean yeah yeah I mean there is there is there is that I guess but I don't know like, that, that kind of stuff I just I don't know I don't care about that kind of mm. thing um because you know, I don't go. I don't go to see Star Wars for the you know, for the I don't know sexual innuendo or whatever. Whatever people kind of glean onto it. This is not a story about that. This is not a story about like any of that kind of stuff. You know, and yeah, you know, people might try to like you know, like look or or implant you know over sexualization or something like that in the, in this movie. But you know, like maybe this is the the Jedi fanboy starting to stand up on the soapbox a little bit. But you know what? This is like. You know, this is my, like, this is my, that was, this whole universe is my escape. You know, and I'm escaping to a place that's, you know, hopefully, like, safe and inclusive and, you know, and, you know, fantastical. Like, nothing really, like, bad or terrible happens like that, you know, because it doesn't need to. It's all, like, pure, pure good versus pure evil clashing and butting heads all over the galaxy because, you know, like, that, 
for me, if it goes anywhere else other than that or explores any of that stuff, I mean, it's not Star Wars anymore. It's something else, you know? It's like, because that's that's not the story that I want to see. It's not the story I want to be told. Certainly not the story I want my son to be told. Well, and let me just say, like, they could have gone in that direction a big time, and they didn't, and I right. commend them for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, but I mean, even still, like, how creepy would it be if we, you know, we start t- talking about, like, these little theories um, that we might have, like, you know, how creepy would it be if it winds up turning out to be a very strong parallel to Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, where we find out they're related yeah. by blood and whatever. I mean... And that was creepy. <laughs> and that, you know, <laughs> yes, I guess it was creepy. But, you know... But still, like, that's, that's like, super, that'd be super crazy and wrong, right? Like, you know, it's just, like, you don't want to do that stuff. You know, to that end, do I really think the, the Ray, um, the Ray kylo Ren, um, connection is really a Han and Leia connection? I don't know about that. Mm-mm. You know, I, I really don't know about that. I mean, and there are a lot of people on the internet that are kind of, like, really pushing hard for that, or towards that. They're like, oh, of course clearly but how do you not know you know like as like how do you not know as 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 han or as leia you you know if you're leia you have to know because that's you know by birth you know that's that's who it is unless you know unless han is the unless han is the father and he doesn't know because he was, oh i don't think know, they're siblings he's, I think, he's messing yeah. around but then you're yeah. half siblings and i don't think so because no. then you'd have to then Han would have had to have find another force-sensitive force person to appropriate with. That wasn't Leia. Yeah. And there's not very many left because, as we all know, Luke's the last Jedi, right? Yeah. So there's no one else. Um, so who is this person, really? Like, who leaves who leaves their daughter on a, play, a planet to just leave them there? Well, uh, Danae has a theory if she would come back to the table. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I was trying to cover for for the uh, for the absence there, but yeah, I mean, Rich is a nicer person than I am. Like, you know, but, so we've we've debunked the internet's theory that you know the whole possible creepy Ray and Kylo Ren being siblings, siblings or half siblings, which they're not. In the extended universe, I'll I'll, I'll add this um, so we can further debunk this. In the extended universe, that's exactly what happens. You know, in the Tim Zahn trilogy, Han and Leia have twins. Oh, my word. One is Force-sensitive and one isn't. Um, or actually, they, no, they're both... Oh, wait a minute. Both, no, I read some of those books. They're both, they're both Force-sensitive. They both get trained by Luke. Yeah. One goes bad. And in the middle of the second book, it's not Han that dies, but Chewie because he gets crushed by a moon. I totally read those books. It's been forever, though. Yeah, yeah. okay. To fulfill a life debt. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that's how you do that, right? Just yeah. like, sure. But those those were like fan fiction, like the Star Trek novels, right? No, no that they was were fully sanctioned and authorized novels in the Star Wars universe. Oh, I didn't know that. But, but you know, Tim Zahn and um, oh, what the heck is somebody Anderson? Jay, I don't know, Jay Anderson or whatever. They wrote another trilogy about Jedi Academy and like that kind of stuff, which is not related per se. Mm-hmm. But they they were the two big book series, the two big trilogies that if they were going to be uh, made into a um, a movie, you know, like the fans picked, you know, like either you do the Jedi Academy trilogy, the Anderson trilogy, or you do the Tim Zahn trilogy. And I was in the Tim Zahn camp because I thought that was really awesome. Mm. Um, 
you know, they had some really cool villains and they had like some really cool stories and they had like Luke struggle with the force. He actually like, he winds up turning to yeah. the dark side and then he comes back and, yeah. you know, like, you know, like it, it's, it's pretty cool. But in that series, you've got divorced twins. And, and I think that's what people are like, you know, drawing logical conclusions to, even though the I entire t- extended universe has been gone. Yeah. It's erased. Disney has nothing, you know, like they're, no, these don't exist. They're now Star Wars legends, mm-hmm. which are not true. They're not canon. Until we say otherwise, until we say something else is is canon or, or whatever. I think I read those when I was like, I don't know, between 13 and 15 years old. So mm-hmm. it's been a little while, folks. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I totally forgot about those, but you're completely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in that case, I do understand why people are are making the connections that they are then. Mm-hmm. But still, I would be very exceptionally over the top surprised if. Yeah, if, if they go their there. siblings or related in that way. I could see um I could see Danae's theory being correct though. That they're cousins. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's more likely. Yeah. Though some people have um debated that maybe she's Obi-Wan's daughter, um, because perhaps because he she can use his Jedi mind trick of commanding people to do and not do what hmm. she wants. Um I don't know or granddaughter, as it were, right? Um, because she's young to be his daughter. Yeah, too young to be his daughter. Yeah, but that means Obi Wan's got to have secret kids, right? And we didn't get any of that in no. any of the movies. So no. I don't know. I think it most likely that they're cousins. To be very honest, yeah. With you. Like Luke, Luke winds up having, you know, a, a relationship with somebody that we don't know about yet. Uh, yet. You know, she's the she's the mother. Stuff goes down. Luke, um, Luke gives Ray to that person, mm. and that person goes to somewhere else. And then maybe there's another confrontation. She doesn't make it, and then someone else from whatever the fallout is from there takes the young Ray and dumps him off on Jakku. Mm-hmm. If, if I mean, if that theory is correct, which again I think it very well could be, then it does not make me like Luke any better. I know. Like, how do you dump your only kid yeah. onto a desert planet to be raised by a scavenger? Oh, well, unless it's not Luke's choice. Eh. <laughs> then you fight them to the death. Well, I guess yeah. I guess you do. And he has the force, mm-hmm. and his kid is force sensitive, so he should be able to locate her. That's true. So, That's but true. he doesn't want to. No, he doesn't right. want to because he's sulking. Yeah, right. exactly. On an island, yeah. exactly. but it, you get the impression that she's been on this island, or she has knowledge of this island, because at one point, when Kylo Ren is in her head, yeah, she, she remembers sees, the ocean. She sees the island. He sees the island through her recollection. Which, speaking of said island, can I just bring up a point real quick? Mm-hmm. That okay, so when they have the one piece of the puzzle that um, oh gosh, what in the world is the little droid's name? BB-8. Yes, that BB-8 um, has on him. They're like, we have no idea where in the world this this star system is. We have no clue what galaxy it is. But then they put that piece into the larger mm-hmm. um, puzzle. They, they fit that piece into the, the puzzle that R2-D2 has. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, everyone knows where it is. Shouldn't they have been able to figure that out? I mean, they either know where this star system is or they don't. Well, here's the thing. That didn't that didn't get explained, and J.J. Abrams actually, after the release of the movie, has ta- has spoken to this very point. There was supposed to be another part of the movie that he cut um, that explains what exactly is in R two D 2s head, 
and what it what it is is the entire map of all of the galaxy minus that piece that came from the uh, from the Empire because he takes it while talking to the Death Star's computer in A New Hope. And I disagree. And again, I love J.J. Abrams. I think he's brilliant, but I disagree with his decision to cut that out mm. then. Right. Because that was really a glaring um, spot right. for me, where it's right. like, what the heck? Right. But I mean, I guess he threw, he, he, I guess he said like, you know, you're supposed to, as an audience member, connect the two dots, which I don't agree with. But no. you're supposed <laughs> to connect the two dots because um, Kylo says that they already have that mm-hmm. other half or the other you know, like mm-hmm. seven eighths, mm-hmm. you know, even so, like they already have it and they've had it for a while because it was in the Empire's archives. So, you know, obviously, the reason why R2 has it is because he's been interfacing with Empire computers for the entire original, tri- you know, the original trilogy. Mm. Um, so yeah, as a fan, I could put that two, you know, two and two together. I'm like, oh, clearly R2's got it in his head because he's been talking to all these Imperial computers for you know the past 30 years or whatever, but okay, it's fine. <clears throat> You know, my my problem is again the same thing. Yeah, if you if you are the Empire or now the First Order, and you have the entire map of the galaxy minus that quadrant, how long is it going to take to scan the quadrant? Yeah, like seriously, exactly. Just go to all the star systems and go. Okay, there's this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Is he here? Is he no? No, 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 no. Oh, he's not here. Mm-hmm. Okay, we found him. Mm-hmm. And and vice Done. versa for the rebels. Again, if they don't know the larger galaxy at all, then that last piece should really not have done them any good. Right. It's true. If they don't know where it is, then they don't know where it is, regardless of whether they don't know where the larger piece is or the smaller piece is. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a little, like, a little bit of weak sauce right there. Yeah. You know, but the whole thing about Luke Skywalker and the search for him and all that stuff you know, the reason why I think it feel, felt so weak is because the original version of this story written had Luke present during the story. There wasn't, they weren't really searching for him because he was already there. Mm. Um, and it got written out because after reading it, they did a whole read of the script in that format. And it, it, it rang true, like, or, or rang so close to the original trilogy that J.J. decided we can't have this happen because we don't want to retell the entire original Star Wars trilogy and make another trilogy about Luke Skywalker. We have to do something to make the other new characters impactful. So let's tell another story and then throw him in, you know, and that's why he winds up being at the end saying absolutely nothing. Um, So to that end, you know, does it help or hurt the force awakens I think it does both, you know, because, you know, in knowing that information, okay, would I have minded that there was too much, you know, emphasis put on Luke Skywalker's character with him in it? Maybe. Um, But, you know, would I rather have seen what I saw? Almost certainly yes. You know, because I can be annoyed with the little bit of Luke Skywalker I get now as long as the payoff is good quality writing and they tie it back in and give me my nice, my, my nice little bowed up package in the second, in the second act. Um, because if they're not able to do that and it kind of starts unraveling, then, you know, in my, in my head, my, you know, little fanboy is headed for a return of the Jedi third act. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want another one of those. Um, 
you know, because I want some cool like shakeup things to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when looking into the future of of this of this uh, of this new story arc, you know, I want some I want some cool things that are unexpected to, to start happening. Right. Um, and if I had to sacrifice Luke Skywalker in the first act to get to get that, then I don't I'll pay that gladly. Um, but you know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of you know like weird and interesting to know that there was an entire story written where Luke was all over this thing, and then you get what you get and he's like not there that is interesting that and is you know, interesting I'm glad it, it shook out the way it did to be very frank with you I don't mm-hmm. know that I could handle another whiny entire movie with whiny Luke in it you know well would he have been whiny I don't know I don't know but I think that having him show up I think we touched on this a little earlier having him show up before I fully expected it when Ray was running away at the outpost that she was going to run into it wasn't going to be Kylo Ren it was either going to be Luke or a force ghost um, of sorts I really did think that that was going to happen Hmm. and um, instead she comes she runs into Kylo Ren maybe I wanted that to happen maybe I didn't really think that was going to happen I I don't know Um, that thought never entered my brain I was hoping it was going to happen because there was a point where a force ghost showed up for Luke and here she is and, and you know and that's that's where I think that the storytelling could have been different and maybe better instead of them going on this epic journey to find him, and it would have rendered the need for the map moot, map moot, um, yeah. because then you you have this conflict in which the rebels are the bad guys, the the um, first order is the good. Nope, wrong. Reverse that, and. Um, and they're really fighting because it's good versus evil, and mm-hmm. and that's it. You know, and who right. cares about the map at that point? Because Luke is found, and he comes back to help right. because he senses the the awakening in the Force, like Snoke and Kylo Ren and mm-hmm. everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like he knows this is happening as much as anyone else, right? Right. Or at least he should. Yep. You know, given his Force power. Exactly. You know, so. but so I guess we'll you know we obviously won't find out more about him until later. Um, When's the next one supposed to come out? 2017. Okay. So in next May. year, which is, I mean, we don't have long to wait. We have like a year and a, a year few and a months. Half. Yep. And in the meantime, there's Star Trek. That's right. Yes, <laughs> That's yes, right. yes. Which we um, should probably line up at some point to do. Yeah, we should probably do that. Just a refresher before mm-hmm. Beyond. I own the other one, so I'm yeah. fine with that. Bring it on. All right, cool. That's I, that's good. That's good. But <clears throat> before we bunny trail off too much about about that, what do we think about Snoke? Uh, see, that was another that was another sticking point for me. Yeah, he's just there again. I just needed a little mm-hmm. bit of a little of, bit more. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of explanation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be all needy here, but but at the same time, but, he's just there. He's just there. He just is. He always was. It seems like. He's this big bad, and I know nothing about him. Right, right. He is a big bad. He is. A, that's it. Yeah. You know, and and you you get almost this mythic presence in the form of I thought he was a force ghost at first, but apparently Sith don't get force ghosts. Um, but I thought, you know, I. But he exists, and and he was this humongous presence in in. Uh, whiny baby faces life. Ren. Kylo Ren. Yeah. Um, 
and he trained him and he's uh, Kylo Ren is obviously the apprentice to Snoke mm-hmm. and we know nothing about him yeah except yeah. That he's the master he's, yeah he's, he's the Sith master yeah he's obviously the master but you know like in speculation territory anyone want to take a, tr- a crack at who he is well I think that we've talked about this off off yeah. air and there's the p- potential for him being either a um, Emperor Palpatine, which you don't like, right. or the legend that Palpatine tells Anakin about of the Sith who defied death. Yeah, Darth Plagueis. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. So if Snoke is Plagueis, then that makes sense because he was able to exile himself away to... You know, like after he's after he's defeated by Palpatine, to then defy death and then kind of just, you know, skulk away and hide out until he, you know he sees a moment that he can intervene again, and intervene he does by, you know, in, in a very in a very like truly evil Sith like way, um, he intervenes by, you know, corrupting one of one of the I'm sure favorite Jedi characters, um, in um, in in you know Han's you know in in Luke's own nephew you know right like that's that would be that would be like a an ultimate kind of Sith victory right to oh, yeah turn, totally to turn the nephew of Luke Skywalker against him and then kill him you know but they could have given little hints I'm not yes. even asking for the sure. full story all right. I'm asking you for is little hints just to let me know that the writers actually thought about it exactly sure sure I Absolutely. agree. I, I agree with that too because you know Snoke's presence in the movie uh, at that point just kind of starts feeling a little flat. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, he's there. He's you know this big bad. He's you know and they threw a lot of a lot of money to, at that character too. Right. Um, CG, completely CGI. Well, and he's and he's Andy Circus. You know you don't you don't give you don't give just anyone like that kind of money to be this character that is clearly going to be impactful in the rest of the story. Um, unless you're going to use him, you know what I mean? Like, you don't hire Andy Serkis to be the voice of this character if he's not going to mean anything. You hire some other voice actor. Who is that? Andy Serkis. He was Gollum. Oh, okay, okay, you thank know, you. And he's a lot of other, like, you know, he did, had some other, like, really big VO parts, but yeah, Gollum. He was also, um, in thir- 13 Going on 30, he was um, Jennifer Garner's gay b- person, g- b- guy who does the thriller dance. That's him in real oh, life. Oh, oh, no way. Yeah, that's yeah. him in real life. Interesting. So, but, I mean, he's kind of like a pretty decent deal as far as actors mm-hmm. go. So, And he um, gets a lot of money to do CGI work. Yep. So, you know, like, obviously it's one of those things where you, you don't do that unless, you know, unless you're going to clearly use this character mm-hmm. in, a, in a bigger capacity. So um, I kind of like the Plagueis angle. Um, and then the other option is like he's just some other character that came out of nowhere with you know a backstory that they can you know cleanly write themselves and and who cares you know what about about any of the other legacy but I think it doesn't do Star Wars justice if if that character just means nothing you know right. it's just some dude that comes out of nowhere um, if it is Plagueis and you find that out I think that's really cool I think that's rad like I'm down with that. I'm down with finding out that information. I'm down with that also, but I maintain that I would have liked to have a few hints. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. What's wrong with a little foreshadowing, people? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what I got for you. So, um... Give give people something to really argue about one way or the other who this character is. Right. So, I got another cool 
kind of almost great segue though. But in you know, but instead, what do we have right now? Is we have the internet lighting itself on fire for like little tedious things, <laughs> like um, you know, the internet doesn't like the Force Awakens. You know, like right now, there's a whole bunch of you know, like the vocal minority on the, the message boards and stuff like that. Um, they're all they're all hot and bothered because it's successful, right? They're like, oh, well, this new one sucks, and there's all this other stuff, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, you know, the, this movie, you know, shouldn't be successful, and, like, all these characters suck, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Kylo Ren's, a, like, a, you know, a horrible character, and whatever. You know, he's, like, weak, and all this other stuff. And, like, wow, yo, guys, like, back up. You know, like, we finally get the new, the new thing, and all you want to do is tear it down. Well, I like how in the beginning, and this is way before the movie actually debuted, mm-hmm. but people were freaking out about a black stormtrooper. Right. And, and I did not quite understand the whole issue at the time. Um, and now that I do, honestly, I think that one's really lame. I think well, that's exceptionally lame. And I think it doesn't, you know, like, the audience didn't give the writing team enough credit. Like, okay, so he's a black stormtrooper. Did you ever think to, to, to realize that maybe he's not actually a, like a clone? You know, like maybe in the 30 years they either ran out of clones because they're all like 60 years old or, you know, like they just stopped making them or whatever. But you know? I always got the impression in the original trilogy that, that clones or not, the stormtroopers were still people. Like they... they acted like people they had conversations like people mm-hmm. they got confused like people right um so i i don't have any problem with the stormtroopers being people right but but the the then star wars purists so let's put that in air quotes mm-hmm. um were were having a problem with the storm that stormtrooper if they were all uh, still stormtroopers the way stormtroopers mm-hmm. are understood in the mind they're all jango fett all of them if you go so there's by, one base. If you, if you go by the the you know the the rights of what clones are, all clones are Jango Fett. They take their helmet off. They don't need to take their helmet off, but if they do, they all look exactly the same because they're clones of one man. Well, then maybe the original one was black. <laughs> he wasn't because we saw him in the original prequel trilogy. But wait, Jango Fett. He's right, but he wasn't a stormtrooper. He was he's a bounty hunter, person. but he's the right. person that they make the stormtroopers out of. Because oh. he's a pretty badass guy. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe I didn't understand the full thing then. And and the reason why that there's that fan favorite character that everyone says got ruined in the prequel trilogy, which is Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Django makes a a request because he was the seed in which they made all of the clones out of. He mm-hmm. requested a young clone of himself to raise as a son, and that's Boba. Right, and I knew that part. I knew and that part. And then Boba watches his father get executed in the fields of Geonosis. Okay. After they, after um, Anakin and Padme get captured, and mm-hmm. they, you know, they have that Colosseum battle. Yeah. Jango yeah. bites it in the Colosseum battle. Right. No, I remember that. So, <clears throat> but but yeah, all those clones that show up and then save them all, which is kind of ironic. Mm-hmm. They're all Jango Fett. All of them. They're fully formed, grown clones, and they're all modeled after Django. Fascinating. Yep. So that's why people are enraged. Like you know, someone you know, a stormtrooper takes their you know their ha- the helmet off, and they're not Django Fett. What the hell? What you know? What the deal? Because they're not. Because you have to watch the movie to understand that the First Order doesn't 
train clones, they make stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. You know, by doing all this like whatever human experimentation or whatever they're doing. Yeah. So okay. So that's so, you know like that's one internet flame we can. Because people were really some, freaking out about like, that exactly. before. But we can pour some water on that one, and no. it's gone because you know we guys acted before you saw. Um, you know, but people get are are all over Kylo Ren's character because mm. they're like, oh, he's weak, and he gets punked, and he's beaten, and all this other stuff. And now, after watching that fight scene twice, I don't agree with the internet again because so. Let's go back in time. You just had, a, you know, you go back to the bridge, right? And you have this crazy emotional moment. With your daddy. With your dad. You make the choice to turn and kill him. Then you get shot in the side by a bowcaster, who we've already discussed is pretty powerful and will do some serious damage. So you're a hurt pup. And now you're all adrenaline, adrenaline up. And you're like, well, you know... Han Solo's not around to do anything. I'm going to go get Rey. And he's clearly injured by the time he has that conver- confrontation. And he's also clearly not in the right frame of mind because he's still thinking about his injury and the fact that he just murdered his father. So he's not, like, focused to fight. Now, the trained person that's, you know, that's trained for battle in Finn might be a little intimidated, but he puffs up because he's like well i do have this training so let me let me see what i can do and he's sloppy like that battle is is sloppy it's not 100 percent let guns blazing he doesn't beat kylo ren in any fat in any in any like form of the word he actually gets kind of like outplayed by ren's lightsaber skills um which is the reason why like yeah he's able to injure him on the shoulder but you know but that's because as Ren exerts himself in that fight, he winds up having to slow down because, again, he just got shot with a bowcaster and he's in pain and he's bleeding. So, like, you know, like there is that like kind of like weakness there that allows Finn to get the upper hand. But as soon as he gets hurt, Ren steals himself and then wins the battle. You know, he comes back at him because now he's angry because he just got hurt. And then he's he bests him knocks the saber out of his hand and then strikes him in the back with a, with with his own lightsaber which is technically yes it's a lightsaber but it's like weird and jagged and yeah. and and not for not fully formed and you know kind of like and it has a hilt yeah which is and, weird and kind of like well you know much like kylo's character it's like it's almost like deranged mm. like it's like unhinged it's not not full it's not it's not, it's not complete you know like 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 his you know like the wielder is not complete you know he doesn't even know what he is he's just you know he's trying to be someone that he doesn't even know what he wants to be yeah. um but use a little kid so so he strikes um Finn down and then assumes like okay well he's down i just hit him in the back with a saber he's he's gone right um so then he turns to to ray and everyone's like, oh, well, Ray's like, you know, you know, what, what's she going to do? She's, she doesn't have any training either. But yet she does because she wields that saber, you know, after, yeah, I'll give it to the Internet for this one. After she's able to force pull the saber 
away from Ren to herself, which clearly is a nod to like, well, the saber didn't doesn't want to belong to Ky- to Kylo. It wants to belong to Rey in the light side. So I'm like, okay, I can see I see where you're trying to play this, but you know, inanimate objects can't emote with the Force. And yes, the Force is very strong with that particular weapon because of its wielders in the past, but uh, that's a little weird. But she gets the saber in her hand. The battle ensues. She's skilled at fighting. We see it. I know, actually disagree with that. She kept thrusting with the thing. But she, yeah, but she's, she doesn't know how to use the saber like a saber. She's trying to use the saber like her other weapon. No. Like that staff. But she, she, she would swing the staff. And she kept, and again, I, I'm stuck on her thrusting with it. I'm like, sweetie pie, that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. And she did it at least three, if not five mm-hmm. times. But here's the interesting thing, right? We've seen this motion before. And it wasn't until the second time where I'm watching Ray do this that it, it kind of like gets me a little worried for Ray's, Ray's character. There's one other person that wields a saber just like that. And it's Emperor Palpatine. He does exactly the same kind of attack motions where you're holding the saber up and pointing down and jabbing with it over and over again. And Palpatine does that in the fights on in Revenge of the Sith. Hmm. Like very like like you know, like uh I don't know, like very fierce. It's not she's not using it for defense. She actually is using it for attack. She wants to harm Ren. You know. Yeah, but I I feel as if there's much better ways to attack with a lightsaber sure. than that particular motion. Yeah. Uh, and I feel as if it was it was she just had no idea what she was doing. That's and it's and it's probable too. But I think it's you know like it's kind of weird if we wind up finding out that later on, um, you know there there might be like a like a, a pull of dark side seduction for for Ray's character. You know later on in in here, it's kind of like. It's kind of weird to that maybe that they're having that that much forth you know forethought in mm. to specifically designing her her first experience with a lightsaber like like that which is kind of kind of cool. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if they had that forethought. And there's there that's the other thing that we didn't, we didn't talk about was that one of the one of the things on the internet, you know, all those lovely people out there mm-hmm. thinking that she might be Palpatine's daughter. And actually, I just thought about that now. You know, that yeah. that there's... Or, yeah, I think Palpatine's daughter. And so that... Which, ew. Yeah, who would sleep with him? Seriously? Yeah, I mean, but if if it's Palpatine's daughter, there's no way that she's that young. She has to be Palpatine's granddaughter, if anything. Well, and I... She never once in this movie gave any impression that she was going to turn to the dark yeah. side. So I find I find the idea of maybe in the future she's going to toy with that idea. I I can't get behind I, that. I find it implausible too because yeah. I think that there that she she was so fiercely opposed to it. Right. Well, not only that, but I think the pull of the dark side is the use of rage and like how people use their rage to to rule. And the very controlled nature of it, and she has none. Like if if she, there were any rage in her, she would have, she would have, like, gone crazy being left on that planet. There's hope. Hope is the opposite of that. Like, right. there's no room for that in her. And right. even after Han dies, 
you sense a fierceness when she's battling Kylo. You do. There's a fierceness there, but there is no rage. This right. is sheer defense on her part. I don't buy it. If they, right. if and they, she doesn't really harm him when she's able to hit him with the saber. Right. She tries to disable him. She's right. hitting him in the shoulder and the legs and you know, like, and, and that kind of thing. She doesn't actually strike at him until the very end of that which, battle, which I have an issue with also. <clears throat> Because they're standing right next to each other, and then all of a sudden, this humongous gaping hole in the ground happens in between them. And and I get earthquakes, I get earth shifting and everything, but you don't get the impression that that happened. All of a sudden, there's just a chasm well, between the it's two It's because of them. the planet is blowing up. No, and, and I get that, but the way that the planet is blowing up, they both should have fallen into that hole. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I can agree with you there. But we already saw that there was another chasm that was created. They back up into it before they're separated mm-hmm. by the second one. And I know, and I watched the whole entire thing so carefully, intentionally, because of my thoughts during the the first time I viewed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still find it implausible. I, yeah. I think, I feel as if the Earth shifting the way that it did, it was way too convenient and not believable. So. All right. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, I, I don't really think of it as a like overly believable thing either but you know at, at the same at the same time like it functions for the movie exactly I, you know I'm, I'm and it, it also functions for like the the visual mm-hmm. yeah yeah like it's not this time you, you know this battle is not finished yet it's only just begun in right. fact and you guys need to sit down and think about this round one over ding ding no and i get that <clears throat> but uh, and, and not to be ridiculous about such a small point and everything but <laughs> I just feel as if the Earth should have shifted differently if in order to separate them. There we sure. go. That's fair. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. Yep. It was a cool visual, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, except that, again, I was so like, that's yeah. not how it would have happened that I couldn't really appreciate it. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or, or if, you know, like, or if instead of the Earth shifting like that and, and separating the two of them, they were standing right at the edge of the one chasm. You know, what if he says something about the force and then she starts thinking about it and then she's still holding on while she's concentrating on doing something what if what happens is um she when she opens her eyes um you know decides to like force push and push against mm-hmm. him and then in that case pushes herself off of that onto the other side of the platform mm-hmm. and that because, I could see because like you know an, an uncontrolled uncontrolled expenditure of that much that that much on you know like raw power could have propelled her that far mm-hmm. totally 100% but the ground just dropping away in between them to to become that big of mm-hmm. a pit right again they both should have been swallowed up by it yep yeah, no, of course. Which kind of kills, you know, any sequels. So. Right. But, I, I mean, but here's here's the other thing. Think about, like, planets falling apart or whatever. I mean, it's not five minutes later or even ten minutes later right. that she's on the Millennium Falcon and they're all flying away where the, the, the entire planet is consumed in and of itself because, well, the sun or star mm-hmm. decides to be a star again and, and takes the planet. Where is Where's the five-second scene of what's-his-face getting told by Snoke to go get Ren and then actually picking him up. Right. Yeah. Well, and how does he know where he is? Like, they're in... Because he's not right. Force-sensitive. He's no. not Force-sensitive. So how does he know Ren, who is completely disabled, 
how does he know where he is mm-hmm. and when the planet implodes? We know we're going to see them again. It's not a, it's not even a, a, a question, right? Right. It's going to happen, but well, you need to see them saved. Right. You know? he, I he agree. Needs to, he needs to fight another day. You yeah. know. Right. <clears throat> I I agree. Maybe get ribbed by uh, what's it, Hawk or whatever the heck his name is. No, look it up. Wasn't it something Tark? with a T? Yeah, Tark. Tark. Okay. I think it was Tark. You know, um, that, uh, you know, he needs to get, you know, like, smacked around by him. Like, how did you get, you know, how'd you get beat up like this? You know, mm-hmm. whatever. And by a girl. Right. Right. You know? You know, like, and you a, know. And a Wookiee. <laughs> and a Wookiee, yeah. So. So there, so that is, that is sadly lacking, because you see the Starfighters and, and the Millennium Falcon come out, but you never see them. Yep. So. I'm going to ask, I'm going to put it to a vote. Do we talk about ratings and then talk about Lucas or do we, cause we're, we're pushing, um, two hours and four minutes. Oh my this God. Is, this is quite possibly one of our longest podcasts yet. I think it is. I think it is. I think, I don't know that we've ever exceeded two hours to be honest with you. Uh, I already have my rating firmly set in my head. Okay. So. so let's do ratings and then let's talk a little bit about Lucas sure. and then we'll talk about what's next. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. So, Sounds good. Yeah. Do you want to? Start or finish? Ratings two point five for me because wow. I I didn't I didn't hate this movie in any way shape or form but I just had too many questions so I didn't love it either. Mm. Gotcha. I mean it was it was and Danae's going to hate this and take it probably as a humongous insult but to me I don't mean it that way. This was Thor to me. Mm. I okay. don't take it as an insult. I just don't agree. Oh. I, you know it, it's a simple matter of me not agreeing. I I would give this movie a four. It was entertaining. I liked it. I liked the characters. I liked the fact that we have a female Jedi for once. I liked the, I liked the humor, and it didn't fail to entertain a second time around. It, it's a four. Yeah. And for me, it's a <clears throat> for me, it's a four or five. Okay. Yeah, you know, the Star Wars, <clears throat> the Star Wars Jedi fanboy and me, Star Wars is back. Thanks, thanks to J.J. Abrams, and I don't have to feel like my, you know, my younger self will get kicked kicked around anymore. For, for new Star Wars content. And in fact, you know, I've said it before, even, you know, just a short hour ago, bring it on. I can't wait to see what happens next. I can't wait to see their take on Rogue One. I can't wait to see their take on Episode Eight and beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Han Solo solo story, which is weird. You know, the solo movie that happens in between Eight and Nine is now going to be real weird for me because, you know, obviously Han's not around with, with us anymore. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be a weird to see. But, I mean... You know, bring it all home and on episode nine, I'm there. I'm day one, every one of those shows. Yeah. So cumulatively, this is a 3.8-ish. I just did the math in my head. Okay. Um, sure. You know, um, we could do it on a calculator if we want to get real technical, but, you know, I don't feel like that. <laughs> so let's talk about Lucas's reaction to this movie, because I, I, I've been dying <laughs> to do this all episode long. Sure. And how he said that it was so lacking, and basically they should have let him work on it and everything, and... And yeah, and you just go. Did you did you hear any of the critiques about your your episodes one, two, and three? Seriously, sweetie pie, are you that clueless, like that involved in yourself? It's possible. Yeah, it is possible. And and you know, sulking still. Yeah, definitely. You know, fifteen years later, after are we? We're a little closer to twenty years later. Twenty years after people didn't like your prequel trilogy. Twilogy. 
<laughs> uh, that you're sulking. Yeah. You you are a big sulky whiny yeah. baby face. Classless and clueless is right. what I would call him, which right. is sad considering how visionary he was with the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's really kind of tragic. Is it? Is it because he wants people to love it whole, whole hog? I don't know. You know, all the bits and pieces. I'm not sure. I think that if. If nothing else, you take this in as a, an homage to you in the, yeah. you know, like this. This was a clearly an homage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like this, that's what this was. And then you flame the person who created this painstakingly loving homage that most people really, really liked. Exactly. Yeah. You know. So you know, like you know, that's it's a poor way to thank them. Yes. You know, for sure. I mean, or maybe it's just the fact that, you know, he's jealous that in 22 days, a film that he didn't have anything to do with made $781 million. Dang. Is that you domestically? Know, domestically. And became the number one movie in America mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. Although I did read an article about that and about inflation and everything, and mm-hmm. it, it cracks the top 23 in that case. Um, yeah, and also... In, in which case, yeah, I understand the inflation argument, mm-hmm. but what I what debunks the inflation argument in my eyes is the fact that some of those movies aren't just just they're just not like that anymore. Now, number two in the list, of course, is A New Hope. Now, okay, I'll give it to it. It's the first blockbuster. It changed everything, but still, the machine hadn't been been made yet. The mach- the the movie machine hadn't been started yet. In fact, it was A New Hope that did it. Movies prior to 1977 that were in that list, um, they, they yes, belong to, you know, they need to have their due, but they just didn't, people didn't go see movies like they do now. You know, movies didn't have 12-week runs and then straight to Blu-ray release and VOD and all that other stuff, which doesn't get counted in the box office, uh, the box office numbers. You'd have movies like Gone with the Wind, which is number one. Mm-hmm. That's in the theater for three and a half years. You, okay, they're not, yeah, they're not, that does. That they're does not in there. You know, time. they're not in there like that. You know, yeah. you, you can't. You, the, the metric is is yeah. already already debunked. No, it's yeah, like you, comparing apples to oranges in that case. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so so you you know split the era, and you have the legacy list, and then you have today's list. Okay. No. And then you can really go toe to toe and have all those arguments about inflation all you want all day long. I agree. I will be there with you, but you can't include things that have absolutely nothing to do with that. You know, like because also you have a movie like Gone with the Wind that was re- you know originally released in what was it nineteen, I don't know. It's been a while. Like thirty some odd, thirty some odd, forty some odd, something like no, that. I think it was the thirties. You know, and then how many re- how many re releases did it have in the theater? And they count all those ticket sales. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it's just you know things that you just can't consider. No, you're right. Um, you're completely in, in right. That, in that argument, which is the reason why you know, like to me, like raw number lists. Okay, you you do you do it by what it what it did on that in that period of time, um, and then you go from you go from there. Um, but but yeah, even still, you know, it's remarkable that a film like this it's unprecedented. That nothing has brought that much interest in and. You know, straight cash flow in, like any other movie. No, no other movie. Not even Jurassic World. Not even Jurassic World. Nope. <laughs> you know, which which um which did you know like and that pretty, did do good for idiotic reasons. 
Well, you mean nostalgia factor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's, nostalgia there's factor. No but the nostalgia factor is here too. If oh, we really, time, you yes. know, if we really talk about it, and it's crushed mm-hmm. Jurassic World. Yeah, no. I mean, in the same amount of time, in the same twenty-two days, you know, it's seven hundred eighty-one million for Star Wars. Five hundred thirty-nine million for Jurassic World, mm-hmm. no, which is still impressive difference. in its own right, but yeah. it's still you know, oh, yeah. a, what is it, another quarter mm-hmm. of of the the movie total, yeah. you know, in the same amount of amount of time. Um, I mean, will we see this again? Who knows? You know, like you know, I I think this is one of those things where it's like you know, true, you know, like really and truly pent up, you know, like fanboy and fangirl excitement. You know, mm-hmm. like they we've been waiting for something that came out that is just good. It doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be amazing. It doesn't have to be the greatest film ever committed to celluloid or digit or digitized. It just has to be the thing that we thought we wanted, and for right now, it is. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's it true. whether it shakes out by the time we get to episodes eight and nine, who knows? But for now, that's what it is, and you know, good on them. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. But I mean, for Lucas. Getting back to that, I mean, it's just come on, you know, be gracious. Yeah, be gracious and say thanks for taking this on and doing right by my characters. I can't wait to see the next one. Right. Or even if you don't think that, as as the writer, if you don't think that they did right by your characters and everything, just shut up, right. sweetie Keep pie. Your mouth shut. You're not doing yourself any favors. Nope. In fact, you're really making yourself look like an idiot. Yep. Yep. I, and and. It's true. Like, not only do you seem like a a crotchety old man who's not grateful for what the gift that has been given to you, but then you take the fan criticism, which was legitimate, <laughs> and you throw it back in their face. Yeah. Right. And that just makes you... Uh, Sound petty uh, and lame. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And for a man who's done... Uh, revolutionary things to be his legacy to be the fact that he sounds petty and lame is tragic. It is. Yep, absolutely. It is. Totally. So, 100%. So like, on the, go out with style, sweetie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he does not seem to get that. Yep. Yeah. And so instead he's pathetic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And on that bombshell. Yes. <laughs> Shall so, we wrap up our longest podcast ever? Two, yeah, yeah, two hours and thirteen minutes, yeah. so that so, people can go to bed. Okay. Yes. So, um, well, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, as far as you know, what what comes next for Sharp Angles? Um, we're in a trip. We're going to take another trip down memory lane um, with that other franchise that we just mentioned, um, and go to Isla Nubar and find out what happens when people make awful decisions about dinosaurs. <laughs> Make um, good life choices. That's yes, what I got for you. I mean, you. we're going to learn some serious moral moral things. Yes. There's why. more than one way to play with the dark side. That's yes, true. There absolutely so is. So true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely is. So, um, and of course, we're talking about the Jurassic Park series. Um, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do them all in order. Yeah, we'll, we'll kick it off with one and then two. And then I'll cringe a little bit. And then <laughs> we'll watch three and I'll cry a little bit. And then we'll watch Jurassic World and we'll probably watch Jeanette break out a flamethrower or something <laughs> um but uh her christmas present was a blowtorch yes. <laughs> so um so we'll we'll figure we'll figure that out and then um you know we'll talk about you know i guess as we're as we start talking about like those series um what do you guys think about you know maybe um ending ending each episode into like you know like starting to to plan you know the next or at least in the end of of a, of a series 
start talking yeah. about some new some new stuff. You know, by the time we get through Jurassic World, um, I think we've if been we, doing that. If we do it, if we do it on our podcast, yeah, we we have been doing that. Um, you know, we'll we'll have an idea about what we're going what well, we're going for I next. Think the idea was thrown around to do Star Trek. So yep. Star Trek, Star and Trek. also, and then Independence Day too is coming out right. in the yep. summer, and we yep. want to touch on that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll do, depending on the timeline, because you know things could get hairy in the yep. next few months. That's true. Um, very true. Oh, and Danae was also mentioning doing you know Pride and Prejudice. Because <laughs> 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 always do that as a flash cast. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> should we go episode by episode? um so we have the three jurassics and then jurassic world and then jurassic world World, so four jurassics Mm -hmm. and then two new star Star treks Mm -hmm. and i guess the discussion can be had off air whether we're going to do any of the um classic star treks oh yeah i mean don't get me wrong so many so many that's my issue i like those you know i grew up on those but but i'm fine skipping them sweet okay so (laughs) we'll just do the jj abrams ones yep uh that makes me feel better um so mm, that leaves us mm, hopefully before the baby comes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um to do the first independence day and then after the baby comes to the the second independence there we go plan our time accordingly theater and do that and Uh then um, and then at, and then at that time we can, you know, think about like reshifting gears and picking up with our old friends. Oh yeah, the Marvel Cinematic the Universe Marvel because Cinematic. that'll that machine will kick right back up. And you know it. Two more in there and oh yeah, with uh, Deadpool right. When's Dead, that coming out? Well, Deadpool is in February. February, um, okay. And we can we can probably. We can probably like technically wait. This February is the next this, month. Yeah, is the next month. Okay, all right. So um, we could fit that in there and then. I would say we do that one as a flashcast because it's technically not a Marvel Cinematic Universe okay. movie because uh, it's made by Fox, but more on that later. Um, it still looks kind of entertaining. It does still look entertaining. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is going to go full ham. So Which my brother did point out. He's like, I don't think it's fair that Ryan, Ryan Reynolds gets to be two different uh, superheroes, mm-hmm. which yeah, I kind of agree with him on. That's that. true. The Green that's Lantern true. was so terrible, we just <laughs> present, pretend it didn't exist. Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, And War- there's that too. Warner Brothers sure did. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Did it even make its production budget back? I don't think oh, so. Oh, burn. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, and it, it really doesn't exist in the mind yep, of Warner they're Brothers. Like, they're like done. You know, by the time Justice League comes out, there's going to be a new Lantern, for sure. And and I guess the idea needs to be thrown around. Do we, do we, do we Man of Steel it up? B- BVS it up? I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to BVS it up, that's for sure. I mean, maybe maybe Rich and I do as flash cast. Yeah, maybe Rich and Danae can do that. Oh, man. Oh, well, no, we'll see. We'll see, we'll what, see happens. what happens. Uh, but, but for sure, um, we have got content rolling in. So, so basically, stay with us, guys, because we got a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah. Absolutely, we yeah. love to we love to talk. So. <laughs> yes, we do. Clearly, and, and you then, know you love listening to us. Yes, and if you're here at two two minutes eighteen and uh, almost, then we thank you so much for listening to uh, to Sharp Angles. Of course, reach out um, at Sharp Angles Bic on the Twitter. You've got uh, Sharp Angles at BaconAceCream.com. No droids allowed. No droids allowed on the phone number that you can still search because I have yet to have a human leave me a voicemail on that Google Voice. So, yeah. So uh, there's that. So there's that. Um, so if you're if you're interested, do, do that so we can actually like maybe start talking talking back to you guys. Of course, 
if you do reach out, ask some questions, throw some comments out there. We will absolutely read them on the show. So, um, um, or so you know, meet us at the Black Horse for a throwdown. Exactly. You know, if you're Jim Gast from All You Can Geek and you're still listening, and you know you want to do that throwdown, let me know because we'll do that. I'll bring in the uh, the mixing board. We'll have a throwdown, and then Danae will get that out of her system <laughs> and you know let it yeah. drop. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. that'd be great. Sure. Because <laughs> that's so, totally today's style. Yes. I don't hold on to things for years or anything. Yes. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, in, until then, um, we'll, uh, we'll sign off. And I'm, I'm Rich. Danae. Jeanette. And we'll see you next time on Sharp Angles. Later. Bye, Pickets. <laughs>